For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Free Food Friday, guys, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And I will start the shout outs later and tell you all about the food. It'll feed between 15 and to 20 of you and the Red Patrollers will deliver it hot even uh, this lunchtime. Paperwise today uh, the uh, great Sally Hanlon from Support After Crime makes the front page of this morning's Echo and it's quite relevant actually considering the amount of teens now that are hot wiring and, and robbing cars and unfortunately being killed in the process. Uh, she is talking about parental importance on this one and parental responsibility. Uh, she has services to people who uh, are victims of crime. Um, and certainly deals with people who are victims of crime committed by children. And she said the responsibility, or indeed, as she says, the irresponsibility of some parents uh, play a part in this antisocial behaviour, which is a kind of uh, a very light and tame and timid way of describing actually what's going on when we use terms like antisocial behaviour. It's an awful lot worse than that. It's a different league to that antisocial. She says there's been instances where children... Uh, as young as 14, have been responsible for assaults which have left their victims shaken and disturbed. Now, there is a dull debate at the moment which proposes a five-year prison sentence for anyone grooming children into crime. So this could be other adults. It could even be parents grooming children into crime. Um, But she says there is irresponsibility on the side of parents of those children. Uh, Parents need to know where their children are and who they are with. Like, she gives a good example in the Echo this morning in the interview with Sarah Horgan, which she says, if you see your child walking in with 200 euro pair of runners, you have to ask yourself, and more importantly them, where did they get them? Uh, she says for others being involved, you know, some teenagers being involved in a gang is a badge of honour these days, like as if they feel they want to and need to belong somewhere. Yeah, but there are better places to belong, aren't they? She's a rock of sense, Sally Hanlon. She's seen it all. And one thing for sure, we have criminality of a younger and younger age these days. So Owen English picks up on something that I was talking about on air yesterday morning. Um, he's following up on the story of uh, the lad who died in the... At one stage, they were travelling at 175 kilometres in the stolen car on the old N8. So they're on the old Kenbehny Road in the early hours of Saturday morning. And when they crashed, Johnny Foley at the age of 16 died. He's since been buried and uh, an awful lot of sadness, of course, amongst his family and friends. But he died last Saturday in a stolen Toyota Corolla. He was a front seat passenger, crashed head on into another car, sadly. Um, this was um, uh, struck a Kia by all accounts, which was being driven by a 37-year-old woman from Glanmire. Um, uh, he died. Uh, the driver was a 17-year-old boy who sustained serious injuries. And did the other passengers as well, a 16-year-old fella, a 19-year-old fella and a 13-year-old girl. Um, and of course, we also have to think of the uh, innocent passenger in the other car who was just literally coming home from work. It was been driven on the wrong side of the road. It was been driven on the northbound lane of the M8. But you know all about that. Anyway, so I was telling you yesterday morning now that there are tribute videos being posted online. Owen English carries uh, that fact in this morning's examiner. Um, and the videos posted online show men using pliers, screwdrivers and hammers to hotwire cars. One was posted with the comment, we're going to have it lit for you, Johnny, just as you would have wanted. And the video shows people, some wearing hoods, travelling at up to 160 kilometres uh, in, uh, in vehicles, pulling handbrake turns. One clip even shows a car being burnt out. So that's the world we live in these days with uh, particularly young people. Um, some might say that that's very sad. It is, of course, very sad, but it's actually, it's, it's actually 
Firstly, it's thuggery. Uh, secondly, it's stupid. Thirdly, it's moronic. And fourthly, they'd want to cop themselves on. Um, but that's the world we have. Uh, well, we'll come back to this with regards to, you know, imported Japanese cars and hot wiring cars a little later on. See a story from the courts in the Echo today where a patient, so she was discharged from hospital. She then claimed that she was in fear of going outside because people were waiting for her outside uh, and wanted a lift and a spin home from a Garda car. She then later admitted making up the story. Why? In the hope of getting a spin home in a Garda car. Uh, when it became clear that the story was about being in fear was made up, uh, she was told to get public transport home. She then says, 36-year-old Michelle O'Donovan from the Western Road, she then says that she will smash a window at the hospital if she wasn't driven home by Angarda Shikona. She was before Judge Olin Kelleher at the Cork District Court Another rock of sense, incidentally, Judge Kelleher. He wasn't having any of it. She pleaded guilty to a charge of endangering and threatening behaviour at, uh, at the hospital. Um, and that story makes the papers today in quite some detail. I may well come back to it a little later on this morning. Um, she got a three-month suspended jail term, and some would suggest that even the suspension uh, wasn't uh, good enough. And then we have all sorts of problems with businesses on side closing. Uh, Ayers Cafe made an announcement yesterday I see also um, a woman by the name of Bronwyn Connolly who has wild design. Uh, she has also um, decided to, uh, you know, uh, pack in. She's closing the shop permanently tomorrow. She says everybody got used to shopping online, says she. And she says that uh, City Council need a major shake-up of Cork City Centre. Um, apparently, she said business just did not bounce back after COVID. Uh, I should have probably mentioned this actually when I was talking about thuggery regarding teenagers but uh, there was a Gaelic football match above in Tyrone with this one person in hospital and a man arrested. Why? An alleged stabbing. Do you see where we're going with this like with regards to lawlessness in the country that we live in? And Marty Morrissey dominates many of the papers and I know there's lots of cartoons doing the rounds now and all sorts of Cute slogans are being used regarding Marty. The, the Marty Carty is one of them. There won't be a car milked tonight, as in the pun that he used to use about any time Claire won a match, he'd say there won't be a cow milked in Claire tonight. Um, we find um, uh, the papers this morning carrying a lot of the RTE, uh, as, as Marty might say, shenanigans on the front page of the tabloids today, uh, motoring around in a free-loaned Renault car for five years, came clean, uh, after they were asked to, RT staff were asked to divulge anything that maybe RT needed to know about and he came clean about it and he gave it back and he's asked for forgiveness. Now, that makes all of the papers today, obviously. Uh, Marty Carr returned the day after the Tuberty Pay revelations, but the mail goes a step further because they say there is still confusion regarding uh, Marty Morrissey's links to motor car dealers. They say uh, that um, there's confusion uh, because of his links to a second car company, BMW. Uh, last night, the firm uh, told the Irish Daily Mail that Mr. Morrissey was a paying customer, although captions accompanying images online, which have now been removed, called him a brand ambassador. And there are many brand ambassadors uh, within uh, the uh, RT public sector broadcaster who are provided with motor cars. That's their own business, as long as they're paying benefit and kind on it. Nothing to see here, but RTE are now saying that they're going to get tough on stars and freebies. Uh, it's interesting they say that, actually, because um, I see Brenda Power drilling into it herself this morning. Uh, in fact, she has a right old swipe at Lottie Ryan, where she says one of the main influencers in RTE appears to be Lottie Ryan. Uh, not at all a nepo baby, uh, in inverted commas. She would surely have landed a prime slot as a presenter on RTE 2FM 
and maybe one of those hundred grand plus salaries, even if she wasn't the daughter of the late Jerry Ryan. So cat's claws out there. She also takes a look at Doreen Doreen Garrahy, uh, who recently sat at her RTE studio desk with a uh, little tub of Flahaven's instant porridge. Uh, and then she takes a look at all of the other brands that uh, Darren Garrahy actually works with, Centra and Cadbury's and TK Maxx and Renault, Gordon's Gin and things like that. So um, will, all, will all of that change? I don't know. Um, mind you, I see in this morning's Independent today, they look at more RTE celebrities who have actually worked and been paid by state-sponsored bodies. And they list the likes of Mary Kennedy, Anne Casson, Joanne Cantwell, Miriam O'Callaghan, uh, Jennifer Zamparelli, uh, Bobby Kerr, um, Katie Hannan, uh, Ingrid Miley, and play people like that. And in some cases, it's for big money. Like Darren Gary, he got 20 grand from horse racing Ireland. So that possibly under Backhurst will all come to an end. But maybe not if you're a contractor and you're not RT staff. That's where there's a big difference in all of this. But anyway, Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly will go before two different committees. One in the morning uh, and one in the afternoon next Tuesday. And they're up for it. And they're open for it. And they are there to answer questions. Uh, so that will be an interesting day. And I think it might give a little bit more clarity from Ryan Tuberty's point of view. And that's got to be a good thing. Right. Um, there are other stories making the papers today. Would you ever please check if you've got any lotto tickets at home that you haven't claimed? There's 19 million euro of lotto prizes unclaimed last year because winners failed to cash in their tickets on time. Oh my God, can you imagine where it might be? Do you know what I mean? If you had a pair of jeans, you know, the, the lotto ticket inside in the old jeans um, and you haven't worn them all summer long because maybe like me up until today, I was wearing shorts or you might have put it in the wash uh, and it might get all mushed up. Ticket's gone if it was mushed up in the wash. But you never know. It could be in a drawer. It could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. Could be anywhere. Could you imagine? Could you imagine coming across it? Could you imagine having like a really crap day in work? You know, you're just with He's off now, like, he's daydreaming now. Yeah, yeah and now. you come in the door. This is the things I think about. You know, you come in the door and daydreaming. You, you, you go and grab an old coat that you haven't taken out because the weather's been good recently. You check your pocket. You think there's a lot of things. You say, geez, I actually never went to scan that. You know, I'll have a look I at that online now. You never but for know. me, I'm just happy to find a fiver in a pocket. Ah, sure. Or a two euro coin Absolutely. in a pocket. Absolutely. Come here, with the way things are going now, cash is <laughs> two euro coins are more valuable than anything else. A lot of times I've gone to things now needing coins and cash and I have absolutely nothing on me I'm ashamed oh, to say no, it we should be give but, thanks for the small things not lotto wins uh, but I, come here I'd <laughs> love to know what that money's used for like that 19 million euros where does it go I mean because um, they, they obviously do a huge amount of charitable oh, they can keep, the staff can keep it themselves <laughs> yeah. Lottery HQ just, just distributed amongst <laughs> the staff you'd have a queue imagine if they were doing open interviews you'd have a queue it's only a 90 day deadline apparently That's short enough really, isn't, isn't it, it? Really, I suppose the thing is, like, if you do the lotto, you probably should be checking with you know what I mean. No, but if you get a voucher now from, say, for instance, a shop or a store or anything like that, you can have five years before, um, you know, the 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 actual voucher's out of date. Yeah. So why why five year? You think you should have a five year period to claim your lotto? Yeah. All right, okay, fair enough. Not as many people would disagree with you. Apart from those in the lotto, but I definitely love to know if that money would go towards. Uh, it can go know. to either two things: back into the national exchequer, or it can go instead into good causes. I think it would be better to go on good causes. Chalk it down, pal. It'd be brilliant. Not to the national exchequer. No, they'd only give it to RTE. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's only a bit of RTE. It's movies when we see a couple of Renault cars turning up outside the back of the last one. Give it to car companies or barter funds or whatever the case may be. Okay, talking about money actually, pulling a swift one is the story making the mail today. As I said yesterday morning, Dublin hotels are just rubbing their hands in glee. She's out of the third gig and the mail this morning is saying that you would find yourself hard pushed now to get a hotel room in Dublin for less than €750 a night for the Taylor Swift gigs next year. Papers also talk about talk about one for everyone in the audience. There's a college place now apparently uh, for everyone in the country regardless of your CAO points. So a thicko like me, right, who wouldn't have got into any college course, any college course, would now in 2023 be going to college. Good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Anyway, you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. There's some lovely colour stories making the papers this morning, which I will be coming back to. It's good to know that in spite of the explosion of people who like to drink gin and indeed wine, beer is still the nation's favourite tipple. But did you know that today is World Chocolate Day? Yes, it is. World Chocolate Day. So we're asking the question... What's your favourite chocolate? Text 0868104106. Your favourite chocolate. Ideally, your favourite chocolate bar. And indeed, is there any chocolate that's gone, any chocolate bar that's gone that you would like to bring back? So I have a lot of colour stuff this morning. I'm just conscious of time. And I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning. But amongst them, chocolate day. Can I just leave you with this one for now ahead of the break? Uh, On my calendar, and a pal of mine actually sent me a screen grab of his one. It's the same this morning. 7th of July. You know you get these uh, little words of wisdom on your calendars when you pull off each day. Today it says, the word mortgage comes from a French word that means death contract. Death contract. We'd all agree with that. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. Phone lines in a couple of minutes, though, but today at half past 12, just after midday, half past 12, there will be a rally and protest by staff of Cork City Library outside the Grand Parade because they feel intimidated and unsafe in the workplace. And we dealt with that over the past couple of days. Spoke with a retired librarian who worked at Cork City Library on behalf, and he was talking on his own behalf, but also on behalf of his, uh, of his, of his colleagues while he worked there. Um, I was contacted by um, uh, the coordinator of Hope and Courage Collective. We got in touch to say in relation to an interview on your show uh, on Wednesday with Ross Hive, we found the interview being shared online, hate and extremist spaces. I mean, if, if I do an interview with somebody on air, they can use it in any way they want. I don't want them to misinterpret anything that I say. That has happened in the past where my audio has been edited to make me say things that I never actually said, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but other than that, if it's if stuff, my stuff is being shared online, um, you know, I have no control over that. It's, 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 it's public once it's broadcast. But just to answer that point of your, of your question, but we're deeply concerned, they say, in relation to Mr. Lahive, a recent guest on the show, was able to dispute claims against himself in relation to abuse and threatening behaviour towards workers in Cork City Library. Video evidence on Facebook clearly shows Mr. Lahive being openly abusive to members of the public and library workers on several occasions. Uh, we will now share that evidence uh, of Mr. Lahive uh, throwing very abusive and intimidating language towards workers in Dubray Bookshop in Cork, as well as another incident in Cork Public Library. We used to highlight the comments on the personal Facebook pages uh, where these incidents were even live streamed. These comments are openly aggressive, abusive, intimidatory and violent towards people doing their jobs. 
Um, they have not made any effort to challenge the violent and defamatory comments, nor have they taken any steps to remove and delete these from their own personal pages. Uh, we're seeing a growing number of incidents of hate and intimidation towards people in their workplace. And when these incidents are live streamed on social media platforms, it generates a real danger for those being filmed and those who are employed in these sectors. For this reason, we feel that Ross Lahive and others involved in this activity towards workers in libraries or bookshop shops should not be given airtime and publicity that facilitates them to make unchallenged counterfactual statements about the harm they themselves are facilitating as evidenced in the information currently provided within. And that's from Neave MacDonald, coordinator on behalf of Hope and Courage Collective. Then I was contacted also to say, I'm just contacting in regards to a recent interview with Ross, Ross Lahive on your programme. Ross asserts that he never called staff a slur, never shouted at an event, was not confrontational, was never asked to leave by Angarda Shikona. Just on that point, uh, he did acknowledge and apologise for that. And uh, on the air with me on Wednesday said, yes, I was asked to leave. Apologies. Um, so at least that one got, uh, that got clarified. Anyway, John says, in the video I'm attaching you, the 20 seconds highlights Ross roaring expletives such as paedophile and pervert at the audience and staff. Um, I would be obliged if you played the audio. This is simply one of four videos on his own Facebook account from that day alone. Each time he visited a library, he has a video put up and in most he is asked to leave by the guards. I would like for this to be brought to the attention of your listeners. Even the first 20 seconds, uh, every visit of his to a library site is recorded on his Facebook page. The man is the definition of a bad faith actor. Uh, I'd appreciate if this video uh, could be shown to Neil in advance of his show Friday morning. Uh, all the best. And that's from John by email to neil at redfm.ie. The 20 seconds that he's talking about. Uh, have a listen to it. This is from the library. Uh, and I'll, I'll chat with you after the 20 seconds. Perverts. Bunch of perverts. You're perverts. You're perverts. You're endorsing this filth to children, to 12-year-olds. You know exactly what's in it. I told you a hundred... No, we're not. Read here. There you go. She doesn't want to read this, lad. Right? And that goes on and on, right? And we've listened to all of that audio. There is no mention of anybody being called a paedophile in any of that audio. So, John, I appreciate your email, but roaring expletives such as paedophile and pervert is inaccurate. Yes, the word pervert was used on a number of occasions, and it's not a nice word to call somebody. It really isn't. It's a nasty word to call somebody. But the word paedophile was not used. Now, if it was used somewhere else, I don't have that audio. God knows it's not for the want of trying. Uh, So that's some points of clarification by different people who got in touch. Don't even talk to me about the amount of of text, which I will come back to at some stage. But Pat, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Okay. um, And this all centres around a book called This Book is Gay. Um, You're in your mid-60s. So what was it like when you were uh, a teen or even younger? There was no conversation about anything like that. Any conversation that happened about anything like that happened in huddled corners amongst youngsters, you know, giggling and so forth and so forth. But actual real information was not available. There was no books you could get. Uh, There was very, very few people, unless you were lucky, that you could actually speak to about it to get actual factual, honest information. Mm. So the way I see it is is that... uh, most how did you how did you find out about sex or um I, I, baby I where babies came from? I got very lucky in that a lady that I used to speak with and sort of 
hang out with and so forth in the sense that I used to meet in my sort of not everyday life but fairly regularly and a person I was comfortable with I felt comfortable to ask her a question yeah. and she answered my questions honestly and genuinely yeah right you didn't ask and your parents though no okay. I didn't ask my parents um for no particular reason really but it it, it was just like it, it was something you know it it was something that wasn't really discussed. You said that in like, your adult life there was no literature nor contraception. Uh, there wasn't any. If you wanted condoms, no, there, you no. had to get them posted from the UK. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like, no, you know, even even after I got married, there still wasn't contraception or condoms, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said to your researcher... I remember being on holidays in the UK and able to go into a pharmacy where they had a wall of these things and uh, it was like, you know, a kid in a sweet shop. (laughs) And my wife was with me and I was saying, well, look at this one and that one and there's ribbed ones and there's this flavour and there's that flavour. You know, there was all the different lubes as well. And I was was insisting on buying them. She was saying, no, 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 no. And I thought she was being bashful. But what she was trying to tell me in a roundabout way was the ship had already sailed. She was ah, pregnant. Really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but she didn't want to say that in front of this, that, the lady inside. Did you house. walk out empty handed, yeah? No, I didn't actually bought the stuff. <laughs> I bought a bag of it. And like we drank our tears about it afterwards. Uh, and so forth. But uh, the way I see it is this. Number one, I'm hearing what's going on. By the way, Neil, you know, uh, the price of petrol, the price of groceries, the, the cost, of, it's all your fault. Mine? And you should be, you should be hung, drawn and quartered. <laughs> I've heard and that before. This is my, and this is my thing about what's happening with the staff in the libraries and so forth. They're going to work every day hoping to do their job, get their pay, and go home. It's not their fault, even if it is wrong, technically, hypothetically, if it was wrong, right, which is not in my view. It's the system, and, you know, you and I, we have things called a vote, amongst other things, where we can go. We have public representatives. Yeah, but, we well, but what, we don't actually have any say in what books are put in the library and what age appropriate books are available for children. We don't. Well, there, the book is not. there. Parts of the book are very good. Uh, parts of it are kind of, oh, wow, um, this is a bit over the top for young children, I have to say. And that's where this has come from. And don't you think that there'd be no problem with people protesting against it if they genuinely believe what they're protesting, protesting about, but maybe not to be filming staff? Well, you see, the staff at the end of the day are, are just doing their job. And at the end of the day, do the staff have any control over what books are put on the shelves? No. No, they don't. Any more, any more than in a way that you or I do. No, that's a whole system that maybe needs to be looked at. Right? You were brought up in a culture um, where anything other than straight was utterly taboo. So at least we oh, don't yeah. live with that culture anymore. People are free no, to express their sexuality. Yeah. Like, as far as I'm aware, I don't know about the female side of it. But on the male side of it, gay and gay activities, as Doyle put it, um, 
could actually have up to the 90s ended up with you getting in jail. In the early, up until the early 90s, yeah, it was still criminalised. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, on the female side, I don't know. Okay, you know? okay. Um, so, don't be harassing, these are your words, neither ha- harassing nor terrorising workers. Okay, fair play. Yes, fair they play. should not be. They oh. sh- it should not be. Th- that's why I went into this little mini rant about everything was all your fault, Neil. And this is basically what's happening. These people have, to my knowledge, have no control over what goes on the shelves. But how does that make it my fault, incidentally? But this is the analogy I was trying to make. The analogy I was trying to make is high taxes, crazy food prices, crazy fuel. It's like someone going along and saying, it's all your fault, me. Oh, right, okay. And and that's what these protesters are doing. If they have a valid point, and I'm not saying they do, I haven't read the actual book in detail. I've heard all the excerpts that are quoted. But they're, they're going the wrong way. Well, about, we may have come a long about, way from the 60s or the 70s, but they would suggest we have come too far and gone, the pendulum's gone too far the other way. Let me get some more calls and texts. Thank you, Pat. Have yourself a great weekend. I'm 39 when I was 12 years old and first year in CBS, which would be Christians or Christian Brothers College. I remember the lads talking about blowjobs or touching girls' boobs. We were certainly uh, sexually active or close to being sexually active. Not unlike today, we didn't have smartphones and internet access. They didn't come readily available until about fourth year. But I remember reading and seeing images of gay men and sex acts of straight people on magazines we were able to buy in shops and petrol stations, the likes of Playboy and Nuts. So what's the difference? Why are they targeting this book in a library when magazines give the same info and are readily available and always were? And in this day and age, kids get their info online anyway, more so than from a book. Well, they certainly do online. I don't think you could use the same comparison between what you might be able to buy in a um, you know a shop or a, a newsagent's or a filling station, um, that would be deemed as adult material. Um, this book is gay, is actually aimed at, uh, at uh, children, which is entirely different, I think. The only reason the likes of uh, people who protest care about this book is uh, because they're homophobic. Uh, for example, they will say things like, we need to protect our kids. Are they saying the same thing? Uh, when drugs are sold to kids and ruining their lives or kids being given substances that could kill them. Uh, No, they aren't. Um, Another person says, to add to your discussion on the gay book and informing kids on sexuality, I work with children and it would shock you what kids are engaging in these days. Recently, I've witnessed children, boys, as young as eight and nine, speaking about girls in a sexually explicit manner. But uh, so much so that it was intimidating for people around them. Can you imagine what it must be like to friends with these guys or if you're related to them? Uh, It's up to parents to guide the education and do what you're comfortable with. But kids these days are exposed to way too much and need to be navigated through it safely. I mean, that that would be alarming if an eight or a a nine year old um, speaking um, explicitly about girls in a sexual manner. Back to the phone lines we go. Emma, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, your thoughts, please. So... I suppose I, I work with children um, every day of the week um, and recently I was up in Dublin I was on the Lewis and there was a gang of young children came on the Lewis and they were speaking 
about friends of theirs, part of their group that weren't present at the time, but um, it was all boys in, in this instance. Um, and just the way they were talking about the girls, they were about ac- sexual activities that they were doing, participating in, things that they watched on their WhatsApp group. Okay, um, what did they watch, did they say? What did you hear? It was, it was basically... So the, so the boys were saying that, oh, you know, such and such girl isn't clean anyway. I wouldn't be worrying about it. And I was like, what are they on about? You know, they kind of next to people and you'd be kind of wondering, what are they at? So anyway, the conversation kept going and it was it, the content basically was the boys were talking about sexual activities that the young girls, their own age, part of their own peer group were engaged in. And they were having a discussion about what they were going doing at the weekend and that they were going to meet with this girl and this is what they were going to be doing. And they described sexual acts? Sexual acts. Um, and then one of the boys was like, oh, I wouldn't go near her. She wouldn't know what she's doing. And then another boy said, oh, no, don't worry, she does because. And then there was a whole spiel about things that she did. That she now, did whether, in the past, yeah. yeah so, whether so they were done or whether they were Disgracing not done. her, I feel like. Disgracing uh, her. Absolutely. Okay. And like also it could have been complete like, you know, battle between them as a group. It might not have happened at all. They might have just been, you know, trying to be the lad, like, you know. Um, oh, maybe so. Maybe, maybe they just maybe, want to sound like they're Jack the happen. Lad, like, and that they're yeah. way ahead of their pals and all sorts of different exactly, things. Exactly, yeah. But at the same point, like, they were naming the other girls, and I suppose just in relation to the activities that they were describing, they were all sexual activities with people and with items, and I suppose what raised my concern was, like, I work with people families day to day of all ages, okay, students, um, you know, young children up until third level education and like the stories that I hear day to day with people in terms of their experience of sexuality and being able to have conversations and be able to engage in safe sex and safe sexual activities and exploring with their own bodies and I suppose the book, like whatever your opinion of the book and the content, I think it's educational and it needs to have you read it? Taboo. I haven't read it. No, yeah. I'm absolutely going to go read it because yeah. I don't know what's in it. Well, as a professional, um, as a professional, I would like you to read it and get your yeah. thoughts on it. Having read it, the the incidents that you describe on the Lewis. How old were they? Yeah. So I have four children myself. My eldest is ten. The youngest that I seen, there was no way he was older than my boy ten. Not a hope. So there was about seven of them. They were all in wetsuits. They had been swimming and they were hopping on the loose and going uptown. It was absolutely vulgar. Nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds should not eight, be talking about eight, this. Eight, nine. No way. Eight or nine-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Eight, nine. And then you're talking, the eldest was probably about maybe 12. Like max now. Max. So much, of that, much, of, the, much of that information probably came from porn, would you think? I couldn't say. I really don't know. It was it older siblings, older friends, who they're hanging around with? Do they watch it on telly? Is it pornography? Is it, you know, I don't know. Who knows? But it's out there. And the, and the reality of it is, is that children are exposed to it. But they're surely, not surely, it, you know? surely eight and nine-year-old boys and girls aren't sexually active. Huh? I don't know. Are they saying they are? Does that just sparks, you know... Like what level of sexual activity? But even, you know, even they if they're not, even things. if they're not, we still have a serious alarming problem that you could have eight or nine year olds seeing porn and then mm-hmm. talking about it with their pals and pretending that they themselves are sexually active and describing what they've seen in porn absolutely. videos. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're talking about using their phones. So, like, are those phones being monitored? Like, what child has a phone that's not being monitored at that age? You know what I mean? It's insane. 
it, like it's, it's just a, it's, insane. it's appalling. It's appalling. And like, you know, at the end of the day, it is parental responsibility in terms of what, what exposure their children has to this type of education. And is it safe education or is it harmful education? Well, it's it's got to be very harmful if you have eight or nine-year-olds that you describe talking in that manner. Yeah. I mean, they, they clearly are exposed to way too much and haven't absolutely. got the sense or the maturity to learn how to navigate through what they're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, and they're trying to keep up with their peers. You know, so you have those 11, 12, 13-year-olds maybe that are mixing, you know, different clubs, societies, different you know, mixed classes within the classroom, like you do mix with older kids in certain situations, but it needs to be monitored and it needs to be... Education is key. They absolutely need to know what's right, what's wrong, what's safe, what's disrespectful, you know, what can get you in trouble. Well... And it just... It, it's just, yeah, know, getting I in trouble is, is one thing, but like, if, if, if in that scenario they were identifying girls known to the other lads, or a mm-hmm. girl by name, that's, mm-hmm. that's shaming that girl, like... Oh, Absolutely. And she could it's be completely innocent as this as the day is long, and has, has completely innocent, yeah. And then as well, like you know, you, you, I mean, we don't know, we don't know the reality, the, the truth of that, that incident. That was just one incident, you know. But like, what's the truth? Like, were the girls doing those acts, or were they not? And were they very comfortable talking about it, knowing that there were adults oh. around them? They comfortable. They were so loud, so vulgar. They had no respect for themselves, for the people they were talking about, or for the people in their company surrounded them. There were so many people actually were, I, like I witnessed the whole thing where, where people moved away, moved up along in the Lewis, and then people got off, and they, you know, the lads got off then at one point, and they were, there was nearly like a, oh, thank God they got off. You know, but because years so ago, forward. years ago, adults, albeit strangers, would intervene in a conversation like that. I mean, year, years and years ago, you'd yeah. be as likely to get a smack from your mother, as, or yeah. you would get Absolutely. a smack from your mother, but yeah. you'd be as likely to get a smack from somebody else's mother. Yeah, and you know what? There were so many of them there, and they were so loud and so vulgar and loads of bad language and all this. So why like, didn't anybody intervene, do you think? Away. Why don't people intervene then, do you think? I suppose they're probably afraid of the repercussions. You know, and like, if you approach a gang, like... Yes, they were young, but there was a mixture of them. There was a lot of them. So, I mean, would you approach someone on your own? Uh, on a Lewis, stay the hell you know, out or girl, even outside? Yeah. You would no, not. You'd yeah. walk oh, away. The mobile like, phones would be out. You know yourself. Out it, yeah. The phones would be out. They'd, they'd attack you. Possibly. I'm not saying that they would attack you. But you know yourself. When you approach a group that's intimidating, they were intimidating. I myself was kind of, I had a bit of a nervy tummy going, oh my God, would they stop? Like, what are they saying? Like, what are they doing? And like, you know, I was actually waiting for someone to approach, you know. Um, it's sad. Them That's to the say and I said, there'll be war here now if somebody approaches them. It was just awful. And, it's, you know, it's desperate. And I, I just think that, you know, sexuality and sexual acts is such a personal thing. And it's a nice thing. You know, it should be something that people should be able to grow into respectfully and not like associate everything so negative with it. Um, it's, yeah, it's you just, know, and it's just what's available. Yeah, it's, safely, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's what's available now yeah. to people. It's like, and what, what is available? And schools have a responsibility, you know, and I suppose that's another can of worms, but, you know, just in terms of... They do, but it starts in the home. It starts yeah, in the, with absolutely. parents. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. And I think you have to be real and you have to be open you have to have these discussions. And each child and each parent and each home is going to be different. Like, I know my 10-year-old, like he wouldn't have a clue what in God's name we'd be talking about. But I know another 10-year-old who would wipe the floor with my fella in terms of being street-wise, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. 
and that's going to be the case everywhere in in all different um, households. There's going to be different circumstances. And, and would you be protective of your lad then that he doesn't mix with those characters? No, not at all, no. But I suppose, you know, we'd, we'd just have open conversations. But I'd monitor it, you know. So, like, if I see, you know, you know, maybe conversations over here, conversations, if I see him writing things in no I know that, like yeah. I, know, I know that, but I'm, ta- I'm, it, no, I'm talking about a, an eight or a nine-year-old on the Lewis saying what he's going to do to an eight or a nine-year-old girl oh, at the yeah, weekend. No, I mean, that's just Jesus, sad. Just All right. Yeah, no, really okay. bad, yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks, Emma. Have a good weekend. Okay. Cheers. Thanks, thanks for me. listening. Take care. Text 086-8104-106. That's exactly what one uh, listener did and sent me a lovely attachment. Um, and it talks to um, uh, the 80s, or indeed maybe even to some extent the 90s. Um, this is what it was like growing up, she said to me. A generation that walked to school and then walked back. A generation did, did their homework alone to get out as soon as possible to play in the streets. A generation that spent all of their free time on the street with their friends. A generation that played hide and seek uh, when even when it got dark. A generation that made mud cakes. A generation that collected sports cards. A generation that found, collected and washed and returned empty Coke bottles to the grocery store for five cent each. Uh, and then bought uh, Mountain Dew and a candy bar with the money. Obviously, this is from an American's perspective. A generation that made paper toys with their bare hands, that bought vinyl albums to play on record players, that collected photos and albums for clippings. A generation that played board games and cards on rainy days. A generation whose TV went off at midnight or played the national anthem. A generation that had parents who were there. A generation that laughed under the covers in bed so parents didn't know they were still awake a generation that is passing and unfortunately will never return. But I loved growing up when I did in the 80s. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106. Gorks Red FM. A uh, fella says that I haven't a clue. Uh, I make a point about why people don't intervene anymore regarding the lads on the train talking the way they were intervening, isn't that what they're doing at the library? God, you are so clueless. Thank you for that text to 0868104106. If you've heard me, I have said that I have no issue, personally speaking, with somebody protesting inside or outside a public building. None whatsoever. In fact, you can do that. It's not an issue, but it needs to be peaceful. I have no issue with that. And if people are upset about the book, they have a right uh, to protest and they have a right to do what they're doing. The only issue that I had in any way, shape or form regarding this is to as to whether the staff would find it intimidatory to be filmed. Um, uh, a lot of other texts on the... Oh, listen, I, I won't be reading out any texts um, from people who use words like fascists, uh, Nazis um, and, and terms like that. Uh, so if you are I'm going to text in on this or neo-Nazi, um, then I'm not going to read those words out. I'm just saying them now, but I won't be reading them. So if you have text, please don't use those words in any way, shape or form. They're just not acceptable to call anybody a name or a term like that. So keep a comment, text 0868104106. Other than that, um, going back as long as I can remember, there have been drag queens like Paul O'Grady, Danny LaRue and so many more. But can somebody please explain to me why they've gotten more sexualized? Uh, I don't get it. Um, well, I mean, uh, the, the, a lot of this, the, a lot of drag acts, of course, um, are very flamboyant in their dress. Uh, I haven't ever been to one of the shows, but I've seen quite an amount of, of the costumes. It's a form of art, incidentally, as much as it is a, a, a lifestyle choice. Have your listeners any opinion on the recent pride marches around the world where fully grown men 
were naked and walking past children uh, with LGBT flags. This was happening all over the world and I think this behaviour should be stopped. Most of the media, of course, are afraid to comment about this kind of uh, carry-on. You recently had an examiner reporter on your show who spoke about these people being violent on the Grand Parade protest and it was proved afterwards that it wasn't, um, that it was the Gardaí and McBarry who were escorted towards the protesters. You never bothered calling him out on this. Yes, I remember that conversation. It wasn't an examiner report. It was an echo reporter. Uh, and we, I think we found out afterwards that the video showing McBarry and the Gardaí um, may have been edited, I believe. A moment to correction on that. Uh, Neil, he is using his time properly on air. Um, you accused him of not. He's letting, as is Ross, he's letting everyone know what a bloody idiot he is for harassing staff doing their job. They only put out the books they are told to put out in the library. Can he not see that? Um, ask Ross about clips where he and his peaceful protesters um, were um, seconds away from digging people in the head. Uh, or the video where he told a library staff member that it wouldn't end well uh, if he didn't get out of his space. This is nothing but pure intimidation. Uh, there's that and lots more besides. And I'll come back to those texts a little later on this morning. That protest is at... Uh, at half past 12 today. Just back to the phone lines, just this side at 10 o'clock. It's a very busy morning this morning. Gronya, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. We were talking yesterday about the hot wiring, robbing and crashing of uh, Japanese import cars. Have you a Japanese import? I do, yeah. It's a Toyota Aqua. Uh, does it have an imbo- immobilizer? Yes, it does. I put one in. Did you know um, when you bought it that it didn't? I did. They actually, they did tell me. Um, um, but um, but when I was going around to insurance companies and everything, um, you know, I tell them I have an immobilizer, and they tell me that they weren't. They were still very concerned about giving me a quote because they said people assume you won't have one, and your car could be damaged regardless. And I understand why they say that. Do you? <clears throat> I definitely do. Yeah. Your car yeah. is more likely to be robbed than a person who hasn't got a Japanese import Toyota. Yeah, that is a big problem, yeah. Have you managed to get cover for it? I have, but it took a, quite a while, actually, a lot of shopping around. Was it more expensive than you expected it to be? Yes, it was. I expected it to be a bit more expensive, but I thought once I had the immobilizer, it'd be okay. But no, it was still much more expensive. Yeah, somebody told me recently that Kiri's car store that sell Japanese imported cars actually fit immobilizers to them before they sell them. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I'd heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And were you yeah. were you interested in the Japanese import because they're cheaper or what? No, I was looking for an automatic myself and it was the, yeah, it was one of the cheapest automatics around, but okay. I wasn't looking for them specifically. Okay. But okay. I did talk to Car Store and they did let me know about, they fit immobilizers and all things like that. But you that. see, to a burglar or a thief or a joyrider or even a scumbag, they don't know that your car doesn't have an immobilizer, that, it do, that your car does have an immobilizer. Yeah. You see? So you probably are always kind of half worried or half aware that the car might be gone in the morning, yeah? Yeah, a little bit. I try not to take it into the city and stuff like that. I know. Okay. All right. Thanks, Gráinne. Stay safe. Hi, Neil. Three cars broken into last night in Tower. All of them were Japanese imports. Um, They were wrecked, all of them. 
uh, hundreds and hundreds of euros worth of damage. They were seen by a few neighbours. They all seemed to be kind of late teens, young adults, that's for sure. So three of them broken into entire, all of them broken into last night and all of them Japanese imports. Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. Now... Prenderville Show, Red FM. On a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So this will feed 15 to 20 of your chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers. The main events include chicken wraps, chicken pitas and the beef burgers, all basted in the famous Piri sauce. You also will get for sides, Piri salted fries, rice and waffle fries and lots of different Piri mayo and garlic mayo and things like that. And then for dessert, all of you will be treated to your own cheesecakes and you can put on your own toppings. So that's courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. And our first batch of shout outs for the girls in Tails and Tubs Dog Grooming in Douglas Woolen Mills. Morning to you all. Area carpets and floors in Lehenamore uh, would love roosters. They're working hard. In, the, in a new Douglas housing estate, putting down carpets and flooring. Well done. O'Con- O'Connell Butchers in the lock. To everybody at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary and the Victoria, they'd love to share some chicken. GRP roofing supplies on the Tremore Road. Bespoke hairdressing or listening and carry tool. Everyone at Quinlan's Motor Factors and Dennehy's Cross and Blackpool. The Patients Admin Department at the South Infirmary. Um, would have to be included uh, Mallow Road Motor Service Department. Morning, Leah. To everybody at Inside Insurance Brokers at the Airport Business Park. Pat McDonald Paints on the Commons Road. The Pet Stop on the Kinsale Road Roundabout. Uh, morning to uh, Roger and the gang. They're a great bunch, says Rose. The Catering Department at the CUH. Atkins Farm Machinery. The Bon Secours Care Village on the Lee Road. Kelleher's and McCroom. Murphy Engine Overhauls on the Douglas Road. Did a proper job on my car yesterday. And they wouldn't take money. What? Wouldn't take money. Well done to Murphy Engine Overhaul on the Douglas Road. O'Sullivan's Pharmacy on the Grange Road in Douglas. So that's the first bunch of shout-outs. We'll do another one in about a half an hour's time. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Uh, with regards to uh, the sagas, and there's many of them within RTE, sorry I don't want to dance on Marty Morrissey's case here, but I feel like he thinks it was an error of judgment. Then why did he keep the car for five years? It just seems very unusual that he handed the car back knowing there was an investigation going on. The whole situation stinks. The whole thing stinks, says Tony and Douglas. Apparently, RTE management distributed some kind of an email to all staff to the words of the effect of, if you have anything to tell us, please tell us now. Go away and have a good think. Is there anything that you need to clarify? And I think that was the, I'm told anyway, that's my understanding of why uh, Marty Morrissey then came up back and said, well, actually, there's the case of this car that I had for five years. Uh, isn't it an awesome red herring stroke by RTE to bring up the Marty Morrissey story? They brought it up during the Oroctus questions out of the blue. And what has it done? Exactly what they want to do. Take the limelight off Tuberty and the RTE board. Now we also have politicians like Timmy Dooley on the radio this morning passionately defending Tuberty and Marty, saying they did absolutely nothing wrong. Same old Ireland. When the circle is questioned, they circle the wagon. The prime example being the RTE board getting the confidence of the government simply because of the links. Uh, it does not take a high-level intelligence to appreciate what other activities like the ones in RTE are happening in other state agencies particularly the billions given to NGOs, non-government organisations, charities and what have you. That's a lot of stuff there on that with regards to RT, which I can go back to. Uh, w- just a few more texts and then I'm going to move on to different topics. There will be 
uh, a rally and a protest by library staff at half past midday today um, at uh, the library on the Grand Parade. I agree, I agree with Ross. We need to protect our children. Not is enough is being done to protect our children. Um, I've never come across bigger idiots. Fair play to you Hello, showing Bob, them up with me? Um, because they just won't answer any questions that they do not like. Uh, well done, Ross. Thank you for doing this to my children and my grandchildren. Neil, the issue is that the children's minds are being warped. Why can't you understand that? Um, I never, I never said that I couldn't understand it. I never even said that I didn't. I had an issue with people who protest or rally or have points of view. I have no problems with any of those things. Why do you think that I try and get everybody on the air to at least have them an opportunity to give their say or their point of view? But to use the airtime wisely, let me put it like that. I have no problem with that. I think it moves into a different realm, though, when people at work are being filmed in their face. Uh, and I know I get a lot of grief from, from Ross and, and, and uh, his supporters for, for saying that, but it's just how I feel. I, I would defend their right to protest. And, and when people say, would you get those idiots off the air? They're bullies, total bullies, that's all. I don't want the book for my kids either, but this is just too much. Um, I've said in the past that People need to be heard and the points of view need to be heard in a, in, a, in, a, in a reasonable manner, you know, so that you conduct yourself reasonably. But that people do need to be heard. You, you don't want people not being heard because it makes things go underground. It makes an awful lot worse. So I think people need to know. You know, the views and the points of views of other people that don't necessarily agree with you. Um, It is not illegal to record videos in a public place. It is not illegal. It's as simple as that. Everywhere we go, each day we are recorded. So the public has a right to record also. Sometimes we have to practice our rights. If the staff want privacy in a public building, they can create their own privacy by wearing a mask interesting. Uh, Why the hell do you give people so much airtime? For God's sake, they just don't want anyone else's opinion. Uh, Somebody else says, when did book burners ever come out on the right side of history? history?" Uh, Another text says, I'll give Ross this much. He can hold his end of an argument. He does have genuine concerns and I can see where he's coming from. Both of you did well. At least we had a good debate. Another person says you have the patience of a saint. Uh, Great show. Uh, You're about the only one prepared to air both sides of an issue, says Joe. Um, Who did the interviewing then? Why do you give these antagonistic people a platform? Um, So thank you for those. Uh, Maybe we'll come back to it again on Monday after, for instance, after the, the rally today at half past 12. And I hope to have some audio from that and reports on it. Uh, from uh, on Monday's program, uh, this is at half past twelve in the Grand Parade. Uh, but just let me get some more calls, actually, if you don't mind. And Michael's online too. Thanks for holding, Michael. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning to you, Neil. Have you listened to your interview with that lady there on the reality facing youngsters of ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen? Was oh, she describing eight or nine-year-olds? Eight or nine-year-olds on the Lewis, very talking very sexually yeah. explicitly is what they're going to That's do to correct. eight or nine-year-old yeah. girls at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Many years ago, I did a leaders' training course. And at it, this lecturer, brilliant man, came in and a big Waterford crystal jug, okay, full of water. And everybody looked and said, is he going to give us all a drink? And he said, no, I'm not giving you a drink. That is your brain. And he said, watch it now, he said. It's so pure. It's so clean. He picked up a handful of earth and he dropped it into the jug. And everybody said, good God, what the hell is he doing? Now he said, that's putting vulgarity into your brain. And he, he went down and he described it. And then when he finished that, he said, watch, here we go again. Another handful of earth into the jug, and it got blacker. 
Mm-hmm. And he said, that is putting pornography into your brain. And he continued on and he said, this is putting sickness and this is putting poison into the system that will eventually destroy the brain on youngsters that you're a leader of and adults. So people were absolutely stunned and fascinated. It's a long time ago, but it left a mm-hmm. fierce impression, certainly. Mm-hmm. On Clearly it did if you're well, bringing it up years later, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And the thing is, in, in this day and age, like exactly what you spoke about to that lady there. We've got, in schools, you've got some parents who do not want religious instructions. We've got Muslims and Hindus, great devoted people who practice their religion fervently, right? Mm. We've even got the President of Ireland who came out there and I was absolutely amazed and surprised that he made a comment that he was against and homework after school for youngsters. So what is that going to mean? It's going to mean that youngsters coming out of school will have more time to play on their mobiles, pick up the most vulgar and most pornographic things that are available for them to pick up. And what is it going to do? It's like the earth going into a big jug of crystal water and poisoning it. And I must say, uh, it is absolutely terrible. Yeah, but uh, whether, whether or not there is homework after school or not, that that's not necessarily going to result in people going off the tracks. I mean, they could also uh, spend more time playing. They could also take up more sport. They could also more, read more you'd books. You'd be hoping they would, but yeah. we give an awful lot of others more room, more space to explore things that are going to be detrimental to their health in the long run and their attitude towards life. Yeah, okay? well, unfortunately, so, that's the world we live in now. You, you can't yeah. push the tide back against social media or social media platforms or the availability of free pornography. You just can't. Yeah. But like the old, the old famous expression, you do, we live by thoughts of happiness, joy and health. And like I said to you before, like the, the, we think the commandments are there to make life easy for us. The fourth commandment, honour thy father and thy mother. Fifth thou shalt not kill. Sixth thou shalt not commit adultery. Yeah, and seventh thou shalt not steal. We spoke about that before. But uh, that's, as I said, I would certainly mention that to you about the crystal uh, jug full yeah. of water and the damage pornography and vulgarity etc etc do to the brain yeah. Lee, thanks for the great show keep it up man cheers pal take care thanks Michael text 0868104106 talking about uh, children in more ways than one with regards to the robbing of cars and, and things like that um, no prison uh, is, prison is the answer uh, in lieu of a fine um, um, this is to do actually with uh, children who are below the age of um, criminal prosecution um, as to whether the parents should be responsible or whether the parents should be fined or indeed the parents should actually be incarcerated themselves as in you need to always know where your children are so keep those coming text 0868104106 on that one the so-called children should be locked up no matter what age they are if they break the law antisocial behaviour has gone through the roof the last few years because they know they won't get locked up and we the people must live in fear of the so-called children. I think we need children to be children, don't we? And unfortunately now they're getting all sorts of confused messages. Some might even say that, um, you know, those that are protesting against this book is gay are actually saying words to that effect that we are confusing our children. We are just bombarding them with information at too young an age. And um, Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Sally Hanlon talks about uh, the amount of young children, very young now, who are engaged in all sorts of criminal activity. Uh, children as young as 14 and probably even longer, younger than that if what I've heard this morning on the air about the kids on the Lewis are concerned. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Um, let me get back to my... Oh, here's a quick one for you. Please don't give out details for obvious reasons. We're residents of a new housing estate. Um, 
Uh, we've been during months of antisocial behaviour in an adjoining field, drinking, drugs, joyriding uh, down there. Uh, the previous four months, for instance, seven cars were taken out and burnt out and the bollards put up by the school as a prevention, um, joyriding through those. As recent as this morning, one forty-five in the morning, two cars being joyridden around the field at speed, two silver small Toyota cars. So I guess these cars were taken last night. We as residents are absolutely terrified here as a parent of young kids out playing in the evening time. And this is going on. These joyriders access the playground via our housing estate on pathways. Um, back in the winter, a joyrider entered the estate at 7 p.m. in the evening. Thank God it was dark, so not many kids were out. But what does the summer hold for us? God only knows. Uh, and that's a resident from a particular housing estate uh, that um, doesn't want to their details given out, but it's up off the Redemption Road area of Farron Ferris. <sighs> I don't know. I just don't know. I don't get it. Um, about these young fellas robbing car- people's cars, I think the parents need to pay the cost of all of the damage to the cars, and the kids themselves need to work it off and pay their parents back. The need- Lord needs to change because they're getting away with absolute murder. It's a total disgrace that they're just getting away with it. Please keep my details private. Again, more people suggesting that parents should be the ones that should be hit and hit hard. Right, I'll come back to all of that, I promise you. But I do want to do other things this morning because it is Friday. So I'm not necessarily saying uh, lighten the mood all the way through. Uh, But we have other stuff to do. And I want to get a very nostalgic call on the air, if you don't mind. Um, Laura will tell it much better than I could have. I was just to read out the text. So, Laura, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Why are you in touch? Hi, um, so I'm gotten on uh, for on behalf of my mom. Um, so my mom's mom, so my grandmother, her name was Mary Mullins, Mary um, Mullins. and she used to perform with the Mick Delahunty Show Band back in the fifties, and she actually sang in Arcadia ballrooms and in the Gresham Dance Hall and Palm Court and the Showboat Mall between 1956 to 1959. Um, but the thing was, so she passed away quite young um, and there was a house fire with our family. So all her photographs and everything were destroyed. So we don't have any like memories or oh, photos or really? anything. Was, was everything destroyed? Pretty much. We have like five photos of her now um, and they would have been kind of taken after she was married and stuff. So we okay. have nothing of her actual performances or anything like that. Um, now, I've gotten on to the Irish Show Band's museum and they were able to send us like clips with her name in it and stuff, like newspaper clippings, but no photos or anything like that. Um, so we're just kind of putting the feelers out there to see if anyone would have maybe memories or photographs. Of your mam's mam, your grandmother, My Mary Mullins. Ma- yeah. So your grandmother yeah. passed away when your own mam was only eight. Yeah, yeah, she did, yeah. And how so, come she died so young so tragically? Um, so she she had an alcohol uh, problem at that age, and I think it was a heart her heart oh, gave out. Oh dear! But That's um, sad. she sad. passed. Yeah, but she passed when my mum was eight. So obviously, like back in those days, people don't really talk. Do you know, old Irish, they don't really talk too much about it afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. it's only my mum's kind of um, gotten to the age where her mum passed away. Now she's kind of thinking about it more and wanting more info. And we've been trying now for over a year, and we're getting very little back. Really. Was she a singer? She was, she was a singer, yes. So she was a vocalist with the McDelahunty uh, show band and she actually toured America with them. Um, she uh, sang in Carnegie Hall and they toured Miami and everything. Um, and she used to play the show boat and yawl with them. So she was um, a professional musician in the McDelahunty yeah. band? 
Yeah, and she would have only been, like in 56, she would have been only 17 at the time, so she would have been quite young. It would have been kind of 17 to 21 would have been the years. Amazing, Yeah. There's there's bound to be information out there. There might even even be audio. Oh, that would be amazing. That's the dream. But um, I know that when she played in the Arcadia Ballrooms, there was a pianist named Dolly Butler that she used to perform with. And she used to sing with someone named Billy Brown on Sundays there. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of all the info that we have. Oh, no, I love a long um, shot. Listen, I love the challenge. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what people might know on Lee's side or further beyond on the podcast. Her name was Mary Mullins. Uh, yeah. She toured with the Mick Dullahunty band in the 50s, played all over Ireland and indeed Carnegie Hall. They, you know, Obviously, the Mick Dullahunty band was a superb band. Um, yeah. Played uh, many, many gigs with them down through the years. Passed away young. You've only the few photographs that were left after the house fire. And you've trawled and trawled, have you? Yeah, I've gotten onto a few museums. Now, I've gotten onto some Facebook groups for, like, you know, old Cork audiences and stuff to see. Um, some people message back saying that they remember her and stuff, but no one's really gotten back with any photographs or anything like Did that. Did you get onto the Echo? Um, Did you get onto the examiner office? I haven't, actually. Um, I only emailed the Cork Archives as well this week, so I'm just waiting on a response from them. Well, the Cork Ar- Archives are fantastic, but I can tell you one thing. The uh, photo library at the examiner and the Echo is incredible. Oh, I didn't think of that, actually. Yeah, well, that's just a tip for you. I would certainly yeah, do that if I were you, you know? Thank you, yeah, I will, I will. Uh, because you'd never know what they might have or you might have access to because their photo library goes way back. I mean, it's incredible. And and they would have a lot then on, say, for instance, the show band era. As, and they're very good on sport as well, incidentally, if anybody's ever looking for stuff like that. And you can actually buy the photographs from them. Oh, that would be very cool. I'll actually, I'll have to do that. Thank okay. you. Okay, so that's one avenue for you. In the meanwhile, anyone that might have any information, and I know it's going back to the, the 50s and early 60s, Mary Mullins from the Mick Delahunty Band. Let's see, let's see what happens and who comes back to me. Yeah, yeah? perfect. Thank you so much. You're and if anyone welcome. wants my email or phone number, they can work away. Okay, okay. Well, do you want to get in touch with me or get in touch with you? Um, either way is fine I, I, if there's photos that need to be sent on either way whatever is easiest absolutely just let's keep it straightforward just by text for now and then if start, things start to develop I'll be back to you okay that's perfect thank you so much okay Laura cheers for now thanks another person day. another person that might well know her could be Joe Mack you know from the Dixies oh yeah I yeah see do you know when you don't think about these things yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, 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 I'll get cool. on to Joe Max people and we'll see if he might know anything about Mary Mullins or I'd, whatever the case I'd really be. appreciate it All I right, know it means so much to right. mom. okay take care Thank for now I'll be back to you anybody who can help please text 0868 104 106 talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818-104-106 Cork's Red FM. In other news this morning, and this is quite foodie related, today is World Chocolate Day. All over the world, people are celebrating chocolate. And I asked you guys as well with regards to your own love of chocolate. Uh, I used to love Cadbury's dairy milk, but it doesn't taste the same as it used to. Erisha, what's the same as it used to be? Things were greater back in the day, people say. (laughs) Also, they've got smaller, the chocolate bars. But anyway, Whisper is my favourite. It's divine. Somebody else says, for me, it would be the Kit Kat. Topic bars, but they're hard to find nowadays, says somebody by text. The Topic bar is hard to find because they have been discontinued. Apparently, the Topic had hazelnuts, nougat 
and caramel. Uh, Leonidas for me. Somebody else chooses Lind- Lindor. O'Connell's chocolates without a doubt and I buy it from the Rowdy Food in the English market. A plain and simple Snickers bar. So somebody else thought there's nothing plain and simple about a Snickers bar. It's nice. The Tato Milk, sorry, the Dairy Milk Whole Nut with Tato Cheese and Onion Crisps. Snickers with Tato's Cheese and Onion Crisps. Lion Bar with Tato Cheese and Onion Crisps. Boost which I think they used to call the Moro Bar with Tato Cheese and Onion Crisps. Thank you for that text. Obviously, everything goes with Cheese and Onion Crisps. The Star Bar, says somebody else. And a final one for now, Turkish Delight. Does anybody shop in Aldi, I wonder? And if you do, have you ever come across the Aldi Chunky Big Bar of Fruit and Nut? It's divine. Um, it, I mean, if I were to pick a, a chocolate bar, it would be anything to do with a combination of fruit and nut. Can I mention also, so another foodie-related foodie stories for you, or at least the combinations. Uh, there's an article in The Sun this morning um, with regards to our, our five-a-day, and one of them, I suppose, would be spuds, because we love potatoes in Ireland, we're mad keen for them. But apparently they did a little bit of a dive to wonder out what, work out kind of what kind of a person you are depending on the type of, or the way that you cook your potatoes. And they asked a, a psychologist to reveal exactly what your spud cha- choice says about you. So I passed this on for what it's worth. And in here somewhere, uh, it's bound to include you. If, if roast potatoes are your favourite, and they would be one of mine, right? I love a good roast potato. And I think a lot of people like them. The crispier, the better. Apparently, if you love the roast potato, you can be a bit salty in an argument but it only adds to your appeal. You fight for what you believe in. How can they tell that about a person who likes a roast potato, for God's sake? Another one, chips. Who doesn't like chips? You are a spontaneous person. Um, you have a spontaneous side to your personality and you're always open to new experiences and willing to embrace the unexpected in life. They can tell that now because you like chips. Mashed potato. I love mashed potato with butter and salt. Uh, You're a valued friend and colleague who brings everyone together. So the mash eaters um, are kind of peacemakers, if you like. Hash browns. People who love hash browns, you are warm hearted. But once a relationship goes cold, there's no going back. It's a bit like a cold hash brown, I suppose. Awful. Um, You know, you cut them off. Relationship's over, move on. No, somebody does you a wrong, there's never forgiveness. You hash brown eaters, you. If you're a Dauphinese potato lover, I would say you're posh. You're posh, but apparently you'll work all day to please people, but when your guests are all gone, nothing warms your heart more than a hot cocoa and a cheesy rom-com movie. Ah, clearly this is just made up stuff, in it? It's a bit of fun, though. If you like boiled potatoes, you are stable, secure, and trustworthy. You lock away loved ones' biggest secrets and fill them with nourishing love. So if you're a boiled potato eater, then you're great to keep a secret. Hasselback, which incidentally I always thought was hazelback potatoes, but apparently it's hasselback potatoes. You're a hard worker, so you are, and everyone wants you on their team. Um... There's no mention there at all in any of those uh, with regards to if you love new potatoes more than anything at all in the whole wide earthly world, which I do. Um, Certainly steamed new potatoes with lashings of butter and salt. I probably fall in under the maybe the boiled potato bracket, which would make me stable, secure and trustworthy. 
and I'm great to keep a secret, which is quite true, actually. I am great to keep a secret. Um, one, one final kind of food-related story. As if the world hadn't gone crazy enough, McDonald's now um, have added an historic change to their menu. They are launching a wedding package. It's called the McMarriage. This is true. And it's probably going to come to a McDonald's near you quite soon. At the moment, it's only over in Indonesia, apparently. The wedding feast. Um, the bride and groom and their guests can tuck into different options for their wedding feast. And you can order a wedding meal. So no more turkey and ham or no more salmon or wedding food. Instead, you will have an order like 100 chicken burgers, 100 boxes of McNuggets, 100 cheeseburgers, 100 chicken fingers. Minimum order of 200 pieces and apparently they use the slogan making wedding moments unforgettable. So the wedding feast of McDonald's. One punter was wondering, did it come with a visit from the clown as well? But now McDonald's are catering for weddings for less than 200 euro, apparently. I just checked then on obesity rates in Indonesia and apparently one in three adults in Indonesia is obese. Actually, they're doing an awful lot better than us because in the last stat, 56% of Irish people were deemed to be overweight. But anyway, I mean, I think maybe, um, you know, uh, maybe I'd prefer if it was a wedding that had food, say, from the Golden Fry or from Dino's or Jackie Lennox's or maybe Casey's and Douglas. Oh, Casey. McDonald's I thought you might give Casey's yeah, a McDonald's shout. McDonald's wouldn't do it for me. Um, no. Or Roosters. Roosters Piri Piri just, for the wedding. Yeah, I mean, there's it, nothing more it boring be than my we- style. But there's nothing more boring than wedding food. The beef or salmon. Oh yeah. man, it's just dull. I know it is very dull. Now look, I, and every each to their own. Personally, the whole wedding reception in a hotel thing doesn't really do it for me. I have to say, I'd much rather get in my own catering. But I suppose to each their own. You know, some people love it; they think it's great. I've been to a couple of weddings of hotels. I've had grand food, but again, yeah, but it's just it grand. is like it's kind of like a Sunday dinner. Basically. It's, and it's That's big money. Yeah, huge money. Oh it's my big god, money. massive money. But what I was going to say was, um, you were talking about. Uh, oh my god, it's gone out of my head now. Why I threw up my microphone in the first place? No, you were talking about uh, chocolate, fast food, chocolate, or like you know what, Neil? I probably remember it in five minutes. It was definitely something about <laughs> weddings. Anyway, it's come into my head and it's gone. Clean, the one thing about weddings, I would out say. Out. One thing about weddings, say, don't invite me. Yeah. I, I heard a, uh, about a wedding recently where there was I think there was I love you I'm mad about you but don't invite me 300 people at the wedding and the mother and father of the bride said we need to invite 45 people we have a list of 45 people we want to be there and you have to invite them all to your wedding isn't that mad imagine that's always been the way 45 people mums and dads on both sides just like get to invite because we were I'd, and I'd love to hear what people's thoughts are on this because post pandemic it's all changed now because with the, with the whole tiny weddings people that whole thing of having to invite everybody is country weddings are still big there was I a just, wedding in the Royal Hotel in Valencia there recently and I'd say there was about 400 people at it I, that's just way too much it's like, <laughs> none of your business they're paying for but it no but like if it was for me why would I want why would I want to pay for somebody at my wedding that I've never met alright well that 
yeah, second cousins and third cousins. It's just, it's a nonsense, like. No, it's a day of celebration, and it's for your mother and your father as well to celebrate your day with their friends. Come well, on. Well, yeah, but at least if they're good enough friends with my mother and father, I'd have met them before. Like, if you have people turning up to your wedding that you've only ever met once in your life, like, I mean, but can they dad, really be that close to the family? If your dad and your mum are paying for the wedding, right? Let me just, let me just uh, segue into this story, That's if, if they mind. pay for the wedding, yeah. Do people's parents pay for weddings anymore? I Look, I think some people have an agreement where, it's. I think every each their own right so I know some people that have had both parents pay a bit I know somebody where the bride's family paid for most of it I know cases where they've totally self-funded and they've done it themselves I know couples that have literally gone abroad and they've eloped and they've gotten married in Vegas and that's just been the end of it and there's no wedding there's just a barbecue I worked for I once worked with different. a producer years ago way 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 back in the day and she never came to work on a Monday left us completely high and dry lovely girl now incidentally because she had eloped to get married <laughs> just Never bother good work. She didn't. But, she didn't trust you not to give the information out. She no, thought you'd, get, you'd very, let the cat out of the bag. Very romantic, but <laughs> nobody, nobody came to work on the Monday morning because we were eloped. But like my my folks got married. My dad, my grandfather's in the army. My folks got married in the barracks in the mess in the Collins barracks. That's what the, that's what the cheap reception drink. was. Cheap drink, cheap hall, cheap everything. Tell grander. me this, right? Um, uh, there is a question I want to ask you before I read this out. Back in the day, it was traditional for fathers of the bride to pay for the wedding. Hmm. Does that still exist? Yay or nay? Nay. Okay. Not in all circumstances. It's up to, as I say, each. Why was it? Ne- why was it always the father of the bride? Why couldn't it be the father and mother of the groom? I think, and I, this actually, I went to an Indian wedding a couple of years ago, and this is very common in India, where the bride's family pay a dowry or they pay a certain amount. It's yeah, five thousand at a win- at a wedding in India. There's a there is enormous amount. It was on for five days. Yeah, it was three in our case, and actually she was Punjabi, so there was alcohol, there was whiskey to bait the band at that wedding. So that was it was a great wedding. <laughs> so the, the the parents of the bride no longer pay. But you see, the the parents of the bride, the idea was that the bride is being handed over in a way and they were paying for oh her Oh my costs. God, that sounds awful. It's but like that's property. where it comes from, like, yeah. I mean, look at the gra- graduation. That's okay. why women wear caps, because it was a cap on their education. They weren't allowed to go any further. There's all these old customs and a lot of them that's are amazing. absolute I didn't know that. nonsense. No, yeah. okay, thank you for that. The reason I ask, lads, is because there's a bit of chaos going on with regards to one dad. It's in America, but I did see it. Uh, online the other day where he says he's going through a cha- challenging personal drama at the moment and and like every like like people do they share everything with strangers on social media and they tell everybody their problems he says I'm a 48 year old man and my 19 year old daughter has always been an independent thinker I raised her to be an independent thinker it's kind of like as if that's coming back to bite him on the ass now but he says she got engaged and decided that she doesn't want me to walk her down the aisle at her wedding she argues that her mother and I don't own her and therefore we have no right to give her away he says I feel hurt by this because we never treated her like an object or a piece of property rather we tried our best to provide her with a wonderful life He goes on to say, she is refusing to budge on the issue. I respect her choices, but I feel she's disregarding our feelings completely. He says, as a response, I told her that if she feels that way, then I won't be paying for her wedding. I don't want to come across as a controlling or manipulative person. It's true that I don't own her. I also don't owe her a fully funded wedding, however. He says, she can pay for her own wedding if she's insistent on this stance. I'm feeling quite conflicted about this. This isn't about making the wedding about me, walking her down the aisle while all the eyes are on her anyway, and then me sitting down is hardly making the wedding about me. 
it's about her attitude. And he goes on to say she had every opportunity in life and to exclude us from this day is a spit in the face. It's a rejection of everything we've done for her, sacrificed for her and given her. It is selfish. So what he's doing is he says that his daughter is selfish. He said that he and his daughter are still close with each other in spite of this and there's zero chance of her not being invited, not inviting us to the wedding. <laughs> I would think again, pal, after you shared all that on social media, whether or not you're still invited to your daughter's wedding. One or two people posted, though. You heard her. She's independent. Independent people deal with their own bills. She wants to be independent. Be independent and pay for the wedding. One other person. I'm only giving you a comment from either side. I do want to come off as a controlling and manipulative person, but I want to make my daughter's wedding about me. And so I will take away my support if she doesn't want what I want says another. What are your thoughts on that though? The point here is that she has made up her own mind she is not her father's property and she doesn't want him uh, to walk her down the aisle and in inverted commas to give her away uh, it doesn't say who she does want or maybe she doesn't want anybody at all, she just wants to walk down the aisle, Shanks mare. Your thoughts please, text 0868104106 Get it off your chest Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. But today is World Chocolate Day. The worldwide consumption of chocolate every year is estimated to be, to be 7.2 million metric tons of chocolate. If you look at the sales of Mars alone, they're the leading producer of chocolate. It's $17 billion every year. But the actual weight of chocolate consumed around the world every 365 days is 7.2 million tons of chocolate. And today is the day that apparently everyone in the world celebrates with their favourite chocolate bar. Uh, here's an interesting story for you. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Jill. Is it true that you're in Bulgaria right now on the Black Sea? Yep. Okay, so we've we've, esta- we've established... Wall to wall sunshine. Is it really? Yeah, okay. it's very hot. Well, Yesterday you... was reported was 36 degrees oh, in the shade. Forget about it, man. No interest in that. It's way too hot. <laughs> way it's too hot. It's burning the cold. Yeah. Well, it I've is, yeah. I've seen it going down yes. a few years ago in the winter time. I must have been about five, six years ago. Minus 35. Oh, man, that's a cold winter. Um, a few yeah. bars of chocolate would warm you up in the wintertime, though. You, you, you're a chocolate, um, you're a chocolateer. chili on them. Yeah, that's right, chili chocolate. You're, you're a chocolatier, mm. but you only started yeah. in your 60s, is it? Yeah, that's correct. How come? That's... Ah, my partner's family have a confectionery business here. Um, they have a few cafes around the town. Mm. And my mother seen me walking around doing nothing and said, would he be able to mould chocolate, make chocolate figures? So I was dragged in one morning and was showing how to melt chocolate. Coverture, not real chocolate. And given a few moulds, told to fill them, the whole lot. Simple kind of stuff mold, like a child could do. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I would if think. I if it's just boring chocolate. If I out of five, I was lucky. Really? But anyway, I, really, it's not that easy. <laughs> it, is, it may sound easy, it's not that easy. I mean, the cleaning is essential to do it properly. All right. Okay. Um, I'm insulting chocolate. They don't chocolate tell you the heat of, 
Yeah, they don't tell you to heat the mould when you're starting off first, but if you heat a mould, if you haven't got anything else but a hairdryer, use a hairdryer to heat a mould. It makes the chocolate detach easier and it turns out shinier. It's a little trick now, isn't it? Yeah, so you started by pouring liquid chocolate into moulds, and after that? Yeah. After that, I got better at it. I got a lot better at it. I went on to making chocolates, you know, the bon- what we call bonboni, chocolate sweets, yeah? Yeah. Filled. I was given some stuff to fill them with. I didn't make that. And I was good at it. You know, the whole trick was, if you got all the chocolates to come out of the mould, as you turned over the mould, they were good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they stuck you know? to the mould. And were... it went on, yeah, and then the saying was good. They asked me would I be interested in making real chocolate, you know, the Belgian stuff. And they sent me off on a few courses. And the best course I was with was this guy called Step Arts from Portatos in Belgium. He was one of, at the time, he was one of the world's best chocolatiers. Does that mean you would start with uh, cocoa beans, is it? No. No. We're starting that now to make our own chocolate from the actual bean. Right. We're, we are going to start that shortly, probably for next winter. We don't make a lot of chocolate in the summer because of the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we've three shops in the town selling chocolate and you have to put special film on the window to block sunlight and all that but we don't stock as much okay okay so you started the then just hanging around the house and now you are the chief chocolatier yeah in the company mm-hmm. at the age of what 72 I'm 72 at the moment, 73 in November. And you have no intention... Yeah, I, go on. I've no intention of stopping. I don't actually get paid. I'm just work as a consultant. I'm not legally employed, you know? But it keeps me occupied. Yeah, you might You might want to revisit that for a few, Bob, Dave. No. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Legally, I can't. My um, partner gets paid a lot. <laughs> Proper order. Proper and do you, you miss know. any chocolate from home? Um no. I used to enjoy the butler stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I used to come over here, I used to bring a couple of boxes of butler's chocolate. But if you, you know? walk if you walked into a centra now, you know, maybe you're into a, a supermarket. Well let's say you go into Centra and you're walking up towards the till and there's the rows and rows of chocolate bars there, right? Oh, no, I'm not into... It depends on the chocolate bars. You were talking about Mars bars and stuff. I don't think... Yeah, Mars stuff. bars and Snickers and Cadbury's yeah. Flakes and things yeah. like that. You see, American stuff and stuff made in factories, you don't know what chocolate they're using. You'd have no interest in the bar Cadbury's Fruit and Nut or anything, no? I'd eat it. Right, just to try it. And I'd be very, I'd be watching how it broke, you know, when you break, if you, if a chocolate snaps properly, when you break a piece off, you know, you've got good chocolate. If it just comes off fairly soft, forget it. I wouldn't touch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a problem. I actually don't eat it. I'm sick of the stuff. I was going to just (laughs) ask you that. I was going to, if you're around it all of the time, you're probably allergic to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not allergic to it, but you just get fed up with it. You eat other things. I mean, it's a confectionery business here, you know. So what's your weakness so, then? My weakness? If it's not chocolate. Like what you were talking, like what you were talking about before, good potatoes. <laughs> How do 
how do you like how do you like your potatoes then as an example um I bake them a lot um mash them boil them well if you if you like mash then you're a valued friend and colleague who brings people together you're a people pleaser no, I wouldn't be as much a people pleaser, but I am a bit of a people person. Yeah, the one that you don't want to be is a hash brown person. You might have a warm heart, but once a relationship no. goes wrong or somebody does you a wrong, there's no going back. So you're a cold person. No. That ain't you. No, that that's not you. me. I don't like hash browns. That ain't me. Right. That ain't me at all. all right. you know? okay. Thank God. Well, continued success yeah. then in Bulgaria on the Black Sea where it's 36 degrees. Yeah. Mind yourself. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's that today, but it's bloody warm, I can tell you. With the <laughs> air conditioning on upstairs. I'm actually not making real chocolate at the moment. I'm making uh, coverture decorations for Petty Falls. You're an artist. I mean, no, I'm not. I, have, I tell you, that's my biggest downfall with chocolate. What? I have absolutely no artistic ability <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Send me some photographs no. of your work, William. We'll judge it for ourselves. Yeah, if you give me a good phone number. All right, I'll put you, I'll put you back on hold you and you can WhatsApp me some photographs, all right? Yeah, it won't be today. That's I'll do it later right. on this evening. That's all right, Because right now, I, right now, I have to get back downstairs, you know? <laughs> we have pallets and pallets and pallets of petty fours to go out to hotels. <laughs> I thought you were going and down to buy boy. Go, go no, I have to go down and decor I have to go down and decorate them. Yeah. Man, I With tell chocolate you what. I have made. That's good fun. There are Irish people fun. all over the world pursuing very, very interesting lives. Good luck to you. Good yeah. luck to you. Good you luck. You know to you. what? I'll just tell you something else too. It's legal to make your own alcohol over here. Do you believe that? No. Well, I have loads of apricots and loads of grapes, yeah? And <laughs> um, pick them off. I put them in there for what we call a bidon. It's like a big barrel. Let them ferment and all the rest. Check the alcohol level, the whole lot. Sometimes you need to add a bit of sugar, sometimes not. And then there's a distillery in the village. And I take it up there to be boiled. It's a legal distillery. Take it up there to be boiled and comes back. It's called Raikia. Raikia? Like, Is it you know, kind of a brandy? Raikia, right, right yeah. It's a fruit brandy. And what's the strength the of it? The apricot. Oh, I tell you, if you can get it somewhere between 40 and 50, you're doing well. You don't have to go above that. Yeah, because whiskey would be about 40% proof, wouldn't it? Yeah, the, the stuff. Yeah, I used to work for a water treatment plant and I had to go up to Irish distillers at times. And this is when I was in Ireland, you know. <laughs> One of my many jobs. But anyway, yeah, I understand a bit of that. Um, no, but you get it that way. Uh, in summertime, when you start your meal, you always start with salad and a small glass of Ikea. Oh, lovely jubbly. Well, enjoy it. I thought it would and be... The, I, thought, the, I thought you were brewing pochine, you know what I mean? 90% proof no, kind of stuff, no? But, um, no, the, the best one I like a lot is apricot. Lovely flavour off it, and there's a lovely aroma. Okay, well, go and have and a little. Apricots go very easy here. 
Go have anyway, a little tip of I'll this talk evening. I'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Good luck. <laughs> Lovely meeting you. Great to chat with you. Take care. Send me those Send me those photographs. I'll put you back on hold and you can send us some shots. Thank you, Dave. Mind yourself. Just some more quick Free Food Friday shout-outs for the day that's in it. For Ross Creedon and all of the lads at RPC Haulage in Granada who are working hard and always hungry. Free Food Friday, please, for everybody. A sports gear direct. Morning to Adrian. To all of the gang at the ophthalmology at department at the CUH. The Animal Health Laboratories AHLI in Bandon, Don and Dispatch and Nicola and Helen and all of the gang. ATS Cargoline, please, would you ever give us a shout out to Dairy Gold Accounts Payable and make us a happy Friday with Roosters to everybody at ECI JCB in Carrick Tool, wishing everybody a good weekend. The Complete Upholstery and Foam Services in Barrick Street, Ego Hair Design, a Hair Salon in Cove, morning to you all. EMH Technical Services are listening in Balancholic, Ross Oils and Fernand, Arima Connect to the Blackpool Retail Park. Everybody at Celtic Interiors in Douglas. Brooks Timber on the Tremor Road would love Free Food Friday today. So would Lillian, the Coca-Cola lady, Anderson and Charlene all working at In for Lunch to the gang at Orchid Centre in the CUH. Dan in Blarney Castle. Uh, it would make us weak. No, it would make our week. It's been a busy season at Blarney Castle and two or three more. Fair, Fairhill Fairfield Community Association. They're having their house finalising details for a crazy summer fortnight for the kids and their summer scheme. And to everybody, Little Hands Childcare Redemption Road. South Douglas Road is the home of High Street Books. Classic Windows are in Columny and KN Circonet Networks. The lads would love a treat on a Friday after working in the rain all week. We'll do another bunch of shout-outs at about 20 past 11, so text who you are and where you are. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Fifth and final day of giveaways, courtesy of ourselves and Sally's Tea Room at the Carrigaline Court Hotel. So every day this week, today included, a table for four for afternoon tea with Prosecco every day. But today... We have afternoon tea for 22 people because that's the max capacity of the tea room. So you're literally getting the entire Sally's tea room for afternoon tea. And if you win it today, Friday, you also get overnight bed and breakfast for two people, including dinner and afternoon tea at the Carrigaline Court Hotel, the four-star Carrigaline Court Hotel. So you will have handcrafted sandwiches, freshly baked scones, delectable desserts, freshly brewed tea or coffee. Further details at carrigalinecourt.com. So, what three famous people, alive or dead, would you invite to your afternoon tea? Text 0868104106. What three people? And here's another list of people's choices. Nostradamus, Tommy Cooper and Shania Twain. But I'd love to get into your head for a few minutes. Uh, Enoch Burke, Jerry Hutch and yourself, says May. Thank you for the company I'd keep. Elvis, Eric Cantona and the Chippendales. Tom Hanks, Robin Williams and Miriam Margolis. Um, My three for afternoon tea, Karl Marx, Jeff Bezos and Nelson Mandela. Uh, Meatloaf, oh I did that one, that's one that came in twice. That was the Meatloaf, Jessica Fletcher and JFK because Jessica Fletcher uh, would obviously solve the assassination of JFK or indeed uh, JFK might have something to say on the matter. Uh, My cousins, Marie, Pauline and Kevin who are coming home to Cork from Glasgow after 15 years. Paul says, Adolf Hitler, Stalin and Churchill. 
Boy, there would be some points of view, says Paul. Yeah, but Stalin, and certainly Churchill, was going to say wouldn't get a word in edgeways against Hitler. But anyway, I don't know if even talking about that is in bad taste. Um, anyway, keep those coming. Text 0868104106 with regards to who you would invite to afternoon tea. One other question that was posed to me yesterday with regards to whether or not people pay their television licence and go to jail... Do they still have to pay the fine? Let's say it's a thousand euro when they come out of jail. Because if you went for not paying a television license, you probably would be in there only for a few hours. But would you still owe the fine? You guys are saying no. You go to prison in lieu of paying the fine. Um, But you still owe the license fee, but not the fine. So thank you for that. Somebody else says you don't have to pay the fine. Time served squashes all fines. And one texter says, about seven years ago, a friend of mine in her late 50s, now deceased, asked me to accompany her to court in Cork for non-possession of a television license. She was very frightened. Before she attended, she paid for the license. When we got there, there were about 50 other people also, all there with the same type of summons. They were all older people and were all intimidated and visibly worried and stressed. Everyone was eventually called into a room where each name was called out individually to go to the judge by a representative of the agent and then struck out, paid, struck out, paid, struck out, and so on. The last name was called and it was stated by the agent, not paid, Your Honour. The man stood up and said he was not paying it and the judge asked him, are you sure? I am, was his reply. We were all witnessing this. To me, this was a man with very little going on up against an organisation with unlimited resources at hand. Well, there was silence as the judge then set a date for the hearing. The comfort of the rich depends on the endless supply of the poor. I'm 64 soon and they won't be getting anything from me ever again. And I'm currently paid up. I'm an ex-on-post worker and the corruption in there would sicken you too. Uh, so that's a very interesting story. Actually, as I was reading out that text, in my mind's eye, I was there in the courtroom and I was there with all of the others who had um, issues with regards to their television licence and particularly that one man all on his own who was the standing up with the courage of his own convictions. From one type of fine to another, if you don't mind, it's time for an update from Jim O'Hearn. Jim, good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? I'm good, pal. You were there for a parking fine, wasn't it, Jim? Parking fine. We said we'd challenge the city and see how the whole system works. Okay. Was it a 40 euro fine or something, was it? 40 and it goes up to 60 then, so you're, you're just have to get away from it anyway. Okay, you know, so what courtroom? Was it Anglesey Street or was it Washington Street? Anglesey Street is where it was, yeah. yeah and it was, yep. How'd you get on? Um, so look, you were never going to win, you know, because the judge is only a, a lines and fines judge, so you can't... You you get up in the stand and everything. You could say your piece. She did that one stage, all right. And she did say to me, Mister Hearn, you're not in the Oireachtas now. You as you can see, I don't stay quiet. But uh, the, the the defense from the um the the, the fines department is none really. They just stay quiet. They were asked if they want to ask me anything, and they just refused. Who's the defense? Um, like, well, like are there traffic wardens in court? Oh, they're all there, yeah, but they're not the issue at all. The ones are fine. Yeah. They're only doing no, their but job. Do they have they to, like, when you're contesting it, do they have to give evidence? Like, what happens? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The wardens, it's up in the, the court. All the fines are not paid. The individual wardens go up for their bunch of fines, and I think that's held every Wednesday or something. Uh, so you'd, you'd have 10 wardens in court, you know? Um, and they're all spruce school, so I look very clean and tidy. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, when you say they're doing the job, they are. Oh, were, there mother, were there any other defendants besides your good self? 
There was a few in there. Um, I mean, one girl was trying to pay it for weeks and you just wouldn't take it. Once the courting starts, they just ignore you so you get wasted a day, you know, and you still only get fined to 60 euros, but you can't even pay it before you get in, you know. Oh, yeah, so um, after she gets the summons for court, she tried to pay, they wouldn't take it. Yeah, you're in the trap then, you know, so it's, it's, it's over then. But, um, but like, I suppose, what well, I don't know, I, I didn't just turn up, no, I had a lot of stuff with me, you know, and I was allowed to present some of it to the judge, but it was taken off the, by the, the people at the end, but I never got in front of the judge, and I don't know, it was thrown in the bin afterwards. I'm not sure, you know. Um, but when so you did I, get to say your piece, what did you say? Well, I was just trying to explain what we're doing in the city, especially from a tradesman's point of view, trying to service buildings or, and, I, and this goes for delivery guys as well, you know, we're all being hit hard. Um, I explained to the judge that all the roads have changed, you know, with the with the barrels coming up and down. She wasn't aware of that. Um, and I said, there's a whole new streetscape. Um, I did tell her that the, the, the councillor kind of abandoning the city and we have six buildings up on steel prongs at the moment in RSJs. And we'll have another one or two before Christmas, you know. Mm. Um, that, you know, we're, we're in a north city and we need, we need to protect them. Um, as I said, I have a mason, I have a duty to buildings as well, you know. But uh, because, no, uh, see, did, did she know that you needed to get in with a van or a truck for a living to facilitate work on buildings? Absolutely, I told her that. And I told her it was an emergency as well, but she says she couldn't deal with it there. So this, this is a good thing, she couldn't. As I said, she's a line, a lines and fines judge. I think that's all she could deal with. Um, no, she was very fair on the day to everyone. She was excellent, you know. I, I thought I was going to face a judge, a revenue judge, you know, and, and I probably asked my fault. I went in with a different view on it, and it's not the case, really. Uh, she, she was open to discussion with everyone that was in forward with the that went forward with the fine. Okay, which was good. To, which was good to see. But did anyone get off their work. fine? Um, only people with blue cards. Uh, they, they were kind of one person wasn't even there, and someone represented them, so they had no blue. T- Carried up, it was after falling off, but so that was all squashed. But loads of them, loads of them were just dismissed. I don't know why, you know. But with so. someone with a disability badge that had fallen down, did they have to produce it to prove that they had one? No, 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 not not under. They weren't there under the end. Someone else represented them, so okay. But, uh, I don't so know they, they, their so. word, they took their word. There was. They took their word on the matter, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was already good. The judge was excellent. Okay. But I suppose. You know, I went in with a lot of stuff and I couldn't use it, you know. I certainly got a moment to speak and, and, and that was all fine. But one thing I've discovered, though, is, is that the way forward is the department that I was dealing with, the fines department, couldn't answer any of my questions that I was doing for the last six months ago. Uh, they got to the stage where they wouldn't even answer my letters, even though I registered all the letters to them. Um, so what I have discovered now is the only person that could have answered me was the city manager. Mm. So when the next fine comes up, now I do both. I do the fines department and I redirect everything to the city manager. I don't think the judge can deal with me then because it's being dealt with by the city manager. Okay, and I would so, advise everyone to do that. Okay, so you have three more parking tickets coming up, do you? Yeah, yeah. I know there's three or two. I'm beginning to lose track now. Okay. I'll probably have three by the time. So the, every one up. of those 40 fines is costing you 60 and your time in court? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. but should the end result to be a lot better? But I'd advise, Neil, anyone to, um, that, has, that has a problem with water or housing or whatever, you know when you get onto a certain department, there's nobody there. You're, all week long, people are just months and years. So I honestly feel we should all do a two-prong approach. Everyone should send your woes to the city manager as well. If you're at home right now and you're getting no piece of action from the department you're dealing with, send it to the city manager, put it on her desk. 
Yeah, but it won't end up on her desk because admin will just redirect it to the department it should have gone to in the first place. But I know well, what you're it, saying. Yeah. No, let's do it. Let's, if she got a toes and letters this week. She might wake up and know that the city is falling apart. It's her fault. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I saw. I saw some video footage that was put up by Frank O'Connell there yesterday. A lot of people were were sharing it. It's the um, old Port of Cork. You know the um, bonded warehouses which are literally yep. falling yep. down. All of that has been sold to the Kerry developers in America and nothing is happening yeah. with it and they're rotting. They're just sitting there rotting. Well, and I think they are doing something to the front of it and they have been doing piling and checks and the planning permission has been passed on that skyscraper that goes to the front of it. Um, and I did see a drawing or a, uh, some sort of plan for those warehouses that they were talking about, putting them in a glass dome so they're actually in hose within... So they're not going to lose them. You might have any, might have any roof, yeah, but I think yeah, the drawing yeah. I saw had glass over it. You know, it looked pretty nice actually. It was pretty good. So it is now, coming. Like. Just with regards to the the day in court yesterday, before I let you go, you had a good laugh with the wardens. I'm told. Well, I did. I mean, my most favourite award was the one that gave me the ticket, and I did have a chat with her going, and she was very good, and she put me in the right direction before I went in. I was very, I was very comfortable walking in after speaking with her. You know, mm. so. And it was a good laugh on it. Like, we're not worried about the warden and not worried about the ticket. I'm just worried about that there's no facility being made for the delivery drivers or the workers. Or, you know, we need to do something going forward with the city. No. And, you know, it's not about shutting everybody out. They okay. need to talk. And they won't talk. They won't engage with me. Okay. The city won't engage. Okay, well, well, you'll just end up going back in paying 60 instead of 40. But it's the courage of your convictions. I get that. Now, um, we're asking people as well, just a nice segue, if you had an opportunity to take people to afternoon tea, you also had an opinion on that. Who would it be? Oh, I did. What did I say? I said, uh, I said Andy Gaw, Joycey, and Frank, the guy that has the pigeons in the square. <laughs> And we could sit down and ask, where the hell is it? Where did it all go wrong? You know? Um, good chat. Was Andy Gaw a chatter? Andy Gaw was a marvellous man. He, Andy Gaw would have been around 40, 50 years ago. No, they're both. I remember him as he, a small boy myself. Yeah. 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 And he was an amazing guy in that. Um, he was probably the first guy that done this. You know, just pay forward for coffee. That's it. He did pay forward, yeah. Right. I mean, Andy was take. Yeah, he might take 10 pence off you when you were passing, right, as a fired on a man. But he'd pass, he'd, the next person he passed a mother and a child, he used to give the money away. And he did nothing by the time he got to the Grand Parade, you know, but it, it was always about pass forward, you know. So uh, there are some the great photographs of Andy Gaw. I have a great photograph yeah. of Andy Gaw, very old black and white. There used to be a pub on the corner, somebody will tell me the name of it, you might know. The corner of the Cole K and Castle Street, there was a pub there. And he's literally coming out the door of the pub in his cap and his long coat. It's a fabulous yeah, black yeah. and white photograph. Who That's was... the only host there, yeah. No, no, no. On the other side? Yeah, on the other side. The other side, oh. funnily enough. On the, on the, where the, I imagine where the jewellers is now, I believe. That, that area there, you know? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, to correction, but I believe there was a pub on that corner. Who was yeah. Joycey? Well, Joycey was the original, and wrong word, I know again, but she doesn't know what the word was. She was the original wino in Cork. Yeah. Anybody that walked down the North Main Street went to the other side of the street because you were getting the smack of a bottle off her. So why would you want um, to go? God rest her soul. She was fabulous. Listen, there's guys my age would have loads of stories and horror. There's one about, about when she walked into Connie Donovan's nude one day and then god. every fellow was after running out the back door, you know? Oh my god. But, uh, oh. Well, he wouldn't serve her the bottle of wine, like. I mean, oh. So she said she'd scare them all, you know? But she was gas. Oh she was gas. 
<laughs> All right, my man. Have yourself a good weekend. Take care for now. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. Take care. Jim Ahern from Court to Afternoon Tea with Court Characters. Text 0868104106. Uh, back after the break, we'll do some more of those calls. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And a lot of texts on people's favourite chocolates, it being World Chocolate Day today. The Dairy Milk Caramello. For somebody else, it's the Cadbury's Turkish Delight and a cup of Barry's Tea. You couldn't beat it. It's my favourite bar since I was about 12. Everyone I know hates it, but I love it. The Cadbury's Turkish Delight. Leonidas coffee-flavoured chocolates. They're unreal, says Dave. Coffee chocolate does nothing for me. Coffee cake does absolutely nothing for me. I remember when we were very, very small. Do you know the very tiny, thin, long Cadbury's dairy milk. It probably also was the cheapest and maybe that's all people could afford. It was the very small, slim one. Uh, that's the one I remember getting first as a kid. Uh, my favourite chocolate is the dairy milk golden crisp and I miss most the mini Morrow bars. Didn't dairy milk do, do a mint golden crisp? Morrow's still around incidentally. They tell me it's called Boost. But what about the mint crisp? Is that still around? That's a delicious bar. People should bring the Morrow back. If I got tickets for free, I wouldn't cross the road to see Taylor Swift, P.S. <laughs> I won't give you tickets for Taylor Swift then. The Cadbury's Top Deck was my favourite bar, but it's well gone now. After that, it was the simple Time Out, which is now also gone. It was replaced by a Time Out wafer. They just took the layer of chocolate out in the middle and added an extra layer of wafer to cut it to one finger. Then they upped the price. What a bunch of cowboys, Neil. Anyone remember the Cadbury's fruit? Same as the fruit and nut, except without the nuts. Bring that one back. Uh, so keep those ones coming. Text 0868104106. I remember actually years and years ago, there was a thing called a two-in-one bar. Don't even ask me now what it was or what was even in it. But I remember it as a kid, the two-in-one bar. Text 0868104106. Back to food-related matters. But this has more to do, of course, that with the... Uh, afternoon tea and who you would invite were you to win it today at Sally's Tea Room. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I'm listening. So three people, who would they be? Right. My three famous people for my afternoon tea would have to be Richard Gare. Why? Why? He's handsome. I could be his pretty woman for the day. (laughs) (laughs) You're gazing into his eyes. (laughs) And gaze into his eyes. And then my number two would be Elvis Presley because of the great songs, love songs that he'd sing. I would give him a list of songs then to play for us. Okay, so if Presley, if Presley was there, because he's dead now, but if Presley was at the afternoon tea, how old would he be at the afternoon tea? Oh, God, he's older than me anyway. No, no, but how old would you want him to be? At what stage oh, in his life? At about, about 70. 70 would be nice. 70? You wouldn't, you wouldn't like a... 30-year-old Elvis, no? Uh, no, no, they're only kids. <laughs> he didn't reach 70. He was nowhere near 70, was he? No, but I'd like, I'd like him at 70, like uh, Richard Gere, 73. I'm sure he's still handsome. Okay, a 73-year-old so, Richard Gere, a 70-year-old Elvis. Who is the third? Mr. Bean. <laughs> and it has, to be, it has to be Mr. Bean because of his clumsiness. His his laugh. He don't talk. He just mumbles. But just to even look at him. <laughs> just to look at him across the table, like would just make anyone's afternoon tea. <laughs> until, until the table collapses, or all the food falls to the floor, or he scalds somebody with tea or something. 
<laughs> yeah, because he was doing his own mischief thing and his own his own face expressions. Okay, so they're, so they're the three, but also there's a grandson, I think, who's uh, also invited, is he? I tell you now, Mr. Bean's Ted, right? My grandson is almost eight and he has a Ted since he was born. That's was like right, Mr. Bean does have a Teddy, doesn't he? Yeah, and his name is Ted. So, <laughs> laughing, it was a comfort Ted for him when he was born and he's nearly eight. And I tell you now, Neil, that Ted has gone everywhere with him. He puts him into his suitcase when he's going on holiday. Hang on a second now, he'll be mortified hearing his granny saying know, all these things. I, he took him to Santa Panza. He took him to Puerto Rico. He brings him camping. <laughs> Bel Medina. He brought him to the Man United game last year with his uncle. Really? And he done the stadium. I said, his Ted has more of a lifestyle than me now. He's getting around, <laughs> isn't he? He's getting around. And I always says to him, I says, you're like Mr. Bean with your Ted. <laughs> and he loves the episodes of Mr. Bean as well. Because ah, we watch him great. there, like, and Mr. Bean, he, and the actions he does with his own Ted. He's like, Mr. Bean. He'd be is, is, that, now is he finished now making Mr. Bean, do you think, Ron Atkinson? I'd say so, yeah. Pity, isn't because it? There's, yeah, there's not much uh, new ones after coming, but every every episode I'm after watching, he's just he's just uh, so funny and the things that he does. Like. All right, girl, you tell a great story. Hang in there, Deirdre. We we'll see what happens. Mr. Bean, obviously Nathan, uh, Elvis Presley, and Richard Gere. Mick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So afternoon tea. Who would be the guests? Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> Okay, Mister Mister Joe Putin, <laughs> and yeah, uh, Pinky and his side kicked the brain. <laughs> why? Why? They the first two, and they have the brain between them, and the and the the, the two Pinky and his side kicked, and so would tell him how to take over the world or take over the country. Mind you, Trump would say if he were here that if he could sit down when he's president and he will sit down with Putin when he's president, that all will be well with the world. He will solve everything. <laughs> and, my, and my name is Santi. <laughs> okay. So, oh, for God's sake. Trump, Putin uh, and Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Come here, Neil, before Love you it. go. Yeah. Before you go, you should you should do it uh, with the chippers. Uh, tell them to come up with a, a, a wedding menu and, and and try it out with people and have a competition. This is the McDonald's story where you can apparently not yet in Ireland, but you can order your wedding meal from McDonald's for all of your guests delivered to the hotel. I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy that, would you? Yeah, uh, from your favourite chipper, I would, and yeah. Where would you like the food to be from for the wedding? What's it called? The golden, the golden fry. fry. I hear you the all day long. Fry. It would yeah, be the business, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, well, indeed, indeed. Okay. And do you have any opinion as to whether or not uh, Mammy and Daddy should be paying for weddings? Oh, for God's sake! No, no, it is. They're all very independent. Sure, the, 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 there's, a, there's very few of uh, Mammy and Daddies like that left now. Is that <laughs> is that a thing of the past? So is it? I think so, I think so. Okay, they're, okay. they're very independent altogether. I'm delighted to hear to, that. I'm delighted to hear want, that. And they want to do their own thing now, like, you know. Okay, I mean? I'm going to hold you All to right, that. Don't... If either my son or daughter get married, I'm going to tell them that Mick said I don't have to pay anything. 
Oh, Jess, if I win the lotto, shall I cover us? All right, fine, take care. Anyway, keep those texts coming. Uh, who would you invite, alive or dead? Text 0868104106. Uh, free Food Friday, please, for everybody here on Father Matthew Street. The feckers have taken our lunch money. <laughs> Father Matthew Street <laughs> I love it I would really love to do something to be quite honest with, you, with the hard working staff at RTE on Father Matthew Street can we organise some bonus please uh, can we get on to Roosters and the gang and see if we could send a bit of food to them uh, because they are far outside any of this scandal business at the end of the day, they're, they're radio colleagues. To everybody at Siva Logistics, would love Free Food Friday. There's a small team of 10 of them working in the warehouse. Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road. Crazy Monkey Skate and Repair Shop in Church Road in Douglas. To everybody, the Rapid Prostate, Prostate Cancer Clinic at the CUH. For the Stonemasons building the wall in Middleton. Yes, Neil, we have added more to it. Keep it going, guys. That's going to like be the... Uh, uh, that's going to be like the Berlin Wall or the wall that Trump was trying to build. Uh, Honey Brown's Hair and Balancholic Animal Care Hospital in Douglas to everybody at the service delivery team at Kent Station, Thalgo Beauty Centre in Torrey Top Road, Gate Child Care Little Island are listening, Mulrock Construction working hard in the roof and ovens, uh, CQ Business Systems in Wilton, everybody at Dennehy's Health and Fitness on Penrose Dock, Tesco Drivers in Balancholic, the Gwaleskull in Fermoy, Caulfield Transport in Little Island, Sisk Lads in Pfizer at the moment do us a favour and drop free food to our load all driver Tony Condon might keep him quiet for a while the man can talk for Ireland Janice at Bespoke Weddings uh, D.B. Schenker in Little Island are listening and finally for now Power Haulage in Carrick Tool wishing everybody a happy Friday so that's the final bunch of shout outs for Roosters Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park and we will be picking a winner in about 15 minutes time so hang in there back after the break The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106 And you can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106 on uh, the teens that are stealing cars, primarily uh, Japanese imports. A simple anti-theft device which takes one minute to fit as well as being in full view is a, full view, is a length of chain lopped through the seat mount and steering wheel and locked. It will cost you €20. Euro. Absolutely, but you shouldn't have to go to the... Imagine having everybody having to get out of their car and chain the steering wheel. I mean, it's an awful world if that's the case. I'll be returning actually to immobilizers and Japanese imports on Monday. I'm so angry listening to people blaming the parents of youngsters and saying the parents should be held responsible as they're to blame for not knowing where their kids are or what they're doing. Now, I'm speaking for myself here, but I can guarantee you there's many more like me. My own son is now 18, but broke my heart from the age of 13, basically being a thug, taking all sorts of drugs and not caring one bit about rules or consequences that I would have tried to use. Kids nowadays have no fear anymore of anyone. In fact, some of us parents are more afraid of our kids. I did everything I possibly could to try and keep my son on the straight road. I even begged the guards for help. But because of his age then, nothing could be done. Us as parents have our hands tied with punishment as it's child abuse nowadays. So I definitely think the law needs to change and punish under 18s. I would have been thankful if my son had gotten a big enough scare back then to cop on. Thankfully, in the last few months, my son is doing much better and is drug-free now and on a better path in life, while also accepting I did my best for him all along. He is so apologetic now for being so horrible growing up. So yes, some people out there have no clue how hard it is being a parent to teens now and how scary they are. 
please keep my details private. Thank you so much. I know you didn't want to come on the air, but I appreciate the text because we see it uh, from your text through the eyes of parents who do care and who do try. Um, I said it before, Neil, and I say it again. The Gardaí will not do anything. There's no money in catching joyriders and more money in stopping the person on their way to work. People need to rise up and take back our streets. Again, that's another dig at uh, working Gardaí, which I don't think is always fair. But keep them coming nonetheless. Text 0868-104-106 and we'll dive into that and lots more, uh, certainly on Monday's programme. But um, we're going to be played out this morning by Bermuda County Council, fine band, trying to get music on the air every single Friday. David James Joyce on guitar and Ryan Parsons on violin. And I'm looking forward to that combo for them to kick off the weekend for us. But another man who always kicks off a good laugh is dear old Honest Keith. How was your wedding? I mean, what did you have? Well, when I heard the, when I heard the two of you on about that wedding food is boring, you know. <laughs> is that the food at all need? It's the people... That's around you, you know. Beef or salmon, man. Beef or salmon at every bloody wedding. Come on. Well, you know what I had at my wedding, O'Neill? What? This is straight up. There was no hotels that time. I had mine over the top of the hill upstairs. The top of the hill? The pub? The top of the hill. The pub, yeah. (laughs) I had her up there and I think it was Murphy's because we only gave three days notice. You know? You gave three days notice to those going to your wedding? I'll be honest with you, Neil. We were flying, going to fly back from England, just get married, and head away back again straight away. Because I tell you what you need, if we wanted to get married here, we'd have to do a marriage course. <laughs> right? Okay, I'm listening. They'll I'm tell, listening. They'll tell you how to perform and do this and all that, you know. You were having Even none of it? I was having none of it. No, Neil. She was old. She was only two. You've done it already. So you, so Murphy's Chipper is the food, is it, from Gerald Griffin Street? They use cook, turkey and ham suppers, right? Mashed potatoes <laughs> in, a, a pa- in the, the tinfoil tray with a top on it. You had a plastic knife and fork, a sachet of salt. <laughs> I don't need the vegetable. You said the, the, the food is on it. The food is bored. Well, Neil, there was no sitting down that time there. When you were hungry, you just went up to the box and you took it. <laughs> what, did you have for, <laughs> what did you have for a starter? Was it a potato pie or something? Nothing. You got to do something that was this. <laughs> you got to see these Tuesday or not, because any outsider that was getting married, right, you would have to order 200 suppers. Because <laughs> you know who's going to turn up, Neil. Do many people on the north side get married out of Murphy's Chipper? Oh, cheers, a rake, and, and 20 firsts. And, I, uh, oh, the Lord, we, we got uh, the, the same done in the only cabin for another brother, talking hands up, was he? For the wedding? For the wedding, on the wedding day. So, and in was the, there any kind of roundy tables or trestle tables and glasses of wine or oh, toasting yes, the bride? There was, really, yes, glasses of wine. <laughs> There was, there was, uh, there was a couple of bottles of whiskey, all right, and they came off the ship. There was loads of doctors at the wedding. <laughs> and they, you could have the kids there now till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock that night, and there wouldn't be a bother with the kids. <laughs> How many people yeah, were at your wedding? I said, all the food was gone on here. There was 200 dinners, but I know a few were taken, but the next day as well, Neil, you know? So I couldn't get it. And then Neil, the kids then be fast asleep because they'd be on the gripe water all day. The gripe water? <laughs> yeah. I only spent more Neil on gripe water than behind the bear. And did you have a band up in the top of the hill? We did, the Sullivan Brothers. 
Oh, they were brilliant. They done all our weddings, me. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of a chipper wedding. I really do. I really do. Mm. That food was unbelievable. I tell you, by everybody, was our it was lovely. But I get one fast one before I go. But did, right? did you hang on a second? Did you get many presents or gifts or anything? Did you get toasters or hair dryers or cash or what? Do you know? Do you know what? Only we were going back to England that time, right? I was working in England and everybody back here in Ireland thought, how does say he's loaded? Yeah. He's loaded. <laughs> so you got nothing, eh? <laughs> the, mother, the mother said she paid for the Metropole Hotel. She didn't. <laughs> she said, we, got, we got up the next morning, walked out the door and we went to the early morning house. We went up to the mothers and I said, thanks for the Metropole. She said, Keith, I didn't pay for the time, mate. <laughs> she never. But so, you want fast on the door, go on. All right, go on. Gonna be here all day, go on. Yeah. Right? The mother, the mother then said, "Right now, please." Oh yeah, I was down the pub the day, the day, the day, the day I was getting married, and the t- taxi texted me, and yeah. the mother had no shoes for me, and he, when I knelt down at the altar above, by when they said Bernard Price tag on the back of the shoes, <laughs> nine ninety nine. Everybody broke out laughing. But they, it was the best food by for weddings ever. At least you had a pair of shoes on. You could have been wearing RT's flip flops. <laughs> the RT flip flop flip flops would have been four times the price of your wedding shoes. <laughs> Go on. What? Have a great Go weekend. Look after yourself. There's a book in that guy. There really is. There's a documentary series in that life. Honest Keith. Anyway, text 0868104106. We'll pick a winner now for Free Food Friday in a few minutes' time. I also will be giving away uh, the uh, final prize, which is Sally's Tea Room for 22 guests at the four star hotel, Cargoline Court Hotel. Whoever wins it will also stay overnight, bed and breakfast and evening dinner and the afternoon tea for 22 guests. So it's going to be a wonderful final prize. But also over the past few weeks and right across July and August, I have wonderful summer family passes to give away to, I don't know, something in reason, maybe 40, 45 different tourist attractions around Cork City and County. And don't forget, if you are heading away with the family or your buddies over the Christmas Download the Explore Cork app. It's got 850 places of things to do and see in Cork, and it's all categorised. And in there as well as all of the rest of them is the Titanic Experience in Cove. And I'm featuring the Titanic Experience in Cove uh, this morning, um, indeed again this year, because they've given me some family passes. But just ahead of that, just to tee it up, Sonia Joyce is the director at the Titanic Experience and joins me by phone. Sonia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. How many years now is this Titanic experience doing business down there? I would, I would hazard a guess 2025, would you? Uh, 11 years. Is that all? So, 11? Yes. Why do I think it's years. twice that long? I have no idea. <laughs> so maybe I'm aging faster than I want to. <laughs> it feels like we've been there forever. I okay. <laughs> okay. So tell us all about what people will get when they walk through your doors. So what we do in Titanic Experience and Co, for those who don't know, Titanic was, um, uh, the last port of call for Titanic was Cove. It set sail from Southampton, picked up passengers in Sherbrooke, and then came and dropped anchor at Roaches Point right here in Cork Harbour. So we had 123 men, women and children who came to the building where we operate from and took the tenders and joined Titanic on that adventure that, of course, we know turned to tragedy. So what we do is we try to tell the story of Titanic, which is well known, but through the eyes and the perspective of those unique passengers. So it's a very, very authentic, uh, you know, take on the whole I have been there and I have done it and there's a particular way to do the tour, isn't there? 
Yeah, so it's just, you know, you're, it's guided. So it is basically, you know, we have great storytellers within our guiding team who will take you and immerse you in the whole experience. So what we've done is we've recreated some um, uh, elements of the story, like literally from leaving at Dockside, you know, we stand on the balcony and we look out uh, and literally see and hear and smell and sense and taste what those people experienced on that day. And then we kind of have some cabin reconstructions to show you That's the right. conditions on board. Because we did that. have first, yeah. second and third class passengers yeah. on board. And then we sort of, and, we, and we, we talk about our passengers by name, you know, so you'll hear Daniel Buckley, you know, Alice, Bernard and Agnes McCoy, Margaret Rice. Why were they leaving that day? Where, were, where were they going to? Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. really, really a very intimate uh, approach to the whole story of the Everybody, Titanic. and of course, this is in the old White Star ticket building, of course. Yes, it is. So again, just so it's, uh, again, it's, it's, emphasizing the, the authenticity. It's of right the in the middle of history. Yeah. Here, here's the reason why I said 20 to 25 years. I'm obviously confused um, with, with regards to the Heritage the, Centre. The Heritage Centre, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, yeah. it would be an, a good visit also to complement yours, wouldn't it? To do Absolutely. both. Absolutely. So complimentary. They cover just a, a vast range of topics within the Heritage Centre and another must see in the area. Of course, yeah. Now, um, everybody who goes gets a boarding pass for Titanic. Is that right? Yeah, so literally card. everybody that your your tour starts the minute you walk through the doors, you know, even before you press go on the on, on the physical on the on, on your timed element if you like. Because we meet and greet everybody and then we give you a boarding pass and that boarding pass will have the name of one of our hundred and twenty three passengers and we tell you a little bit of background about, you know, the ticket and you know the information that's on the ticket about that person. So it instantly gives guests kind of, you know, a, a you know, a connection to the story, you know. And then at the end of the tour, the relevance of that boarding card is very important, isn't it? It is, because what we have at the end, we have some touch screens just before you leave the exhibition area, the main exhibition area. And we have a bio on each passenger there. So you will get, you, you know, we have obviously it was 100 and, uh, over 110 years ago now at this stage. So, you know, the information that we have could be a lot on some passengers or Correct. could be one or two lines on yeah. other passengers, just depending on what we were able to research. Yeah. Um, but we give you all that information. And of course, within the bio, you will discover whether that passenger survived or not. And if they did survive, which is really interesting, what, what they went on to do, you know. And oh, it's a fantastic lovely. follow-on story. It really, rounds, it really rounds off the experience. Can I ask you, is there any news on the, what I call, I don't know what the right term for it is, the, the old Titanic jetty that took the tender out there? It was f- fairly rough condition last time I saw it. It, it, it looks more rougher than it is because actually, would you believe there has been a lot of stabilisation work done in partnership with Port of Cork to make sure that uh, what is there remains uh, there uh, for Good. longevity. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if you look beyond the rough exterior and understand the stories behind it, it's actually a beautiful artefact. No, it is, that's um, the reason I'm making, yeah, making the point. Yeah, I want it to yeah. remain beautiful. Yeah, so we're at I, I don't want it to be know, washed away by a bad tide no, or a storm, you know. No, no. And honestly, the work, the, the money that's been spent on it, you wouldn't see, but the money has been spent on it to ensure that it is uh, stabilised to the best Well, I'm glad I asked you about it then because that's good to hear. That is good to hear. Okay, uh, how's biz? Going well? Very well, honestly. um, Since the, you know, since the end of COVID last year, March, it was like a switch went back on again. So we want Cork people to visit, but I'm sure, are you getting much of the cruise business there? Absolutely. The cruises are just such an unbelievable uh, contributor to the local community. You know, um, it's just when we see them, it's like a small community has moved into town for the day. It's like another town has moved into town. You know, it's it's incredible. And the energy in the town just goes up. So it's it's a massive addition to town.
Yeah, little birdie tells me finally because I'm running out of time here. But little birdie tells me you have weddings there. Is that right? Well, no, actually, I, I was just talking to Kevin Ross there, there, and we've had one or two receptions between sort of the church and the main reception. You wouldn't think uh, you're having chipper food there, would you? Instead of turkey and ham no, or beef or no, salmon? No, no, no. I'm no, pushing, no. I'm pushing chipper, chipper weddings at the moment. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, our, our neighbour Titanic Bar and Grill, I know, has hosted some fantastic weddings. They have, and the food there is excellent. <laughs> anyway, listen, Joyce, thanks so much for taking the call. Sorry. Sonia Joyce, I should say. No and thank you for the passes. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, all right? Not at all. Take care, Neil. All the best. Thank you. The Bye. Titanic Experience in Cove. Get in there this summertime. We'll take callers 9, 10, 11, 12 and 13 with family passes to give away for the Titanic Experience in Cove. Get dialing now on 0818104106. After the break, I'll squeeze certainly one tune, maybe two if I behave, from Bermuda County Council after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818. 
who owns a class of brandy. take you home, lock you in a room, right? Let you out at night to play a few tunes for me and then put you back in the room again. Right, we could do that. Keep you all for myself. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Who needs a guitar or two guitars when you have a violin that you can pluck like a guitar? Exactly. Ah, yeah. Sure, why not? Oh, my God, man. I hope my daughter is listening because uh, I want to shame her back into she stopped playing and I want her to start playing again. You know, the same happened to me. I did all my grades and then I stopped for about three years and but I'm lucky I, I did get back into Why'd it. you pick it up again? Because obviously the grade stuff that you did is totally different to what you're doing now. That's it. It's, it kind of takes the enjoyment out of you, you know, when you're in school and you have to study, you have to do this. Thank God you but picked it up I, again, Ryan. Exactly. Thank God you did. That's awesome. Where are you guys playing next? Um, we're all over the city. We're playing a lot of venues, so we felt it'd be unfair to name uh, any specific one. You're that popular. We post our, our stuff on our Instagram. Did I see you play... Um, What's the name of the one inside in town that's got two entrances? Clancy's. We haven't been no. there, have we? No, no. No? No. Okay. No. I think I might have seen someone else then with violins and guitars and stuff like that. Perhaps. But the talent on Lee said is fantastic. But you did play... Tell me the story about the Washington Street gig where two girls came up and wanted to join in. Yeah, they, they wanted to join in. Was that in Dwyer's? Yeah, it was inside Dwyer's in Washington Street. And um, <laughs> they came up, they wanted to sing a song, but this happens a lot there after a few drinks and they get a bit... Yeah, eat, they think they could do it as well, but they turned out to be Rod Stewart's backing singer. <laughs> so I said, "Ah, oh, you can come up. All right, we'll see what we'll see what kind of chops you have." And, um, and what kind of chops did they have? They had very good chops. <laughs> they had very good chaps. In fairness, they're not on tour for Rod Stewart, which it was out, for no they'd reason. Need, they'd need to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're playing in too many gigs to let us know where they're going to be. Yeah, so just keep an eye on the Instagram page and the Facebook page out for Bermuda yeah. County Council. I think that's the first time somebody hasn't told me where they're gigging next. <laughs> <laughs> Things must be going well. Keep it, keep it nice and even. Well, we're still taking more bookings. Though, <laughs> just, so, you know, get that mentioned. <laughs> okay, what is that through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, things like that? Lot. Well we're, done. We're guys. on everything and everywhere. Well, wherever you're playing this weekend, which you're keeping a secret, have good gigs and thanks for popping in this morning. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Oh, my pleasure, man. David James Murphy on guitar uh, from Middleton, Ryan Parsons on violin uh, from Cove. That's uh, Bermuda County Council. Last bits of business for you. I need to pick a winner, firstly, for our uh, afternoon tea. So this is table, well, it's actually not a table, it's the entire Sally's Tea Room 
for our fifth and final giveaway and it's Maureen in Ahala who told us the story of Eamon de Valera Michael Collins and Grace O'Malley and they were her three th- chosen gifts, guests it wasn't just about the guests but it's the story that she told behind it so congratulations Maureen go and round up 21 people plus yourself because you've got the entire tea room uh, to enjoy afternoon tea and Prosecco and you'll be staying overnight at the Carrigaline Court Hotel as well bed and breakfast plus dinner for two people last last bit of business and we'll pick up on everything else on Monday morning is our free food Friday giveaway for roosters piri piri and I am told that winners this week are um, <laughs> so <laughs> Stonemasons.ie, still building a wall somewhere down around Mid- Middleton. Vivian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How things I need to know everything about this wall, man. How tall is oh, it now? Every time the woman comes out the house, she adds another bit on to that. And we finished up Friday, and this week she has us back again. We're doing another bit to the wall. Are you telling that. me that since you've been texting for Free Food Friday, it's the same wall you're building? The same wall, yeah. But, but you must be a Guinness Book of Records entry for the slowest stonemasons <laughs> Ever? I uh, know, I know, I know. Hey, you can't, you can't hurry perfection. You know yourself. I know, but it's not the, it's not the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, like. I know, I know. it's a wall. Uh, you have to take a time with these things, you know. So. Unless you're building it crooked and you have to take it down and start again every time. No, uh, no, 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 no. Is it hungry? Is it hungry work in all that kind of weather? Oh, well, we're all starved. Starved, hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so who have you got there? There's you, there's George, there's Jack, there's Dan's, there's Tony. Some fella yeah, down there you Shannon, can Shannon, shut up. Pre- Shannon, Shannon just walked in there now and another, I got, there's another few lads on the way, so. <laughs> get them all together then for a big weekend shout and we'll get food down to you from Roosters, down to the wall in Middleton. I need a photograph yeah, yeah. of that wall. Okay. I, th- I think she's going to videos actually. Did, did you get them or? Yeah, but it was, it was very small at that stage. Like I assume it's oh, much... Yeah. That was only a small bit of a trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't say any more about the speed of the wall. Give us a big weekend shout out then. Food on the way. All right, one, two, three. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it'll do. It'll do. It'll do. Have a great weekend. Food on the way for stonemasons.ie as they continue to build that wall in Middleton. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Most importantly, have a good weekend and I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.